Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Oh, I've seen this movie. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Cher. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Chris. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, th- thanks, guys. Yes. Yeah. You might not have noticed he's been gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. I mean, even though to you, the listener, it sounds like, uh, you know, one week has gone by or whatever. It's been uh, three weeks since we've been in the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we we did three sort of in a row there and then released them, you know, normal time and mm-hmm. everything. But yes, I'm back. Jeremy's back. I went to a family reunion. Chris went to a poker tournament. Neither one of us had the time we expected. <laughs> but we are both back. Well, I didn't expect much. Um, I'm sorry. You, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to like negatively color your experience. No, no. I had a good experience. Uh, I, I think um, when you when anybody enters the main event of World Series of Poker, they aren't exactly expecting to win it. Sure. Um, they hope to do better than they did last time. They hope to get into the money. They hope to do a lot of these different things. I personally had a great time because I got way farther than I did the last time. I yeah, played. baby. And, uh, and, uh, the experience too was, was, uh, had a lot more little bells and whistles to it because Phil Helmuth came to my table. Uh, you were on TV. I was on TV. When yeah. he came in as Thor, I was at that table. Um, there were, you know, playing at that secondary feature table, even though we weren't really on TV that much. Um, that was just fun. And it sort of primed you if you ever have to do that in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I always wondered how my game would be if cameras were right. all over the place. And you just got to learn to just keep it like it always is and not worry about what you look like or anything like that. And so that was a good little primer and everything. But you uh, looked marvelous, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, making it all the way to day three, I uh, fell short of the money by probably seven hours or so. Who were those babes on each arm that you had? Um, <laughs> they look those, like. Oh, you know what? They don't. They don't like the spotlight. <laughs> they look like those girls from the pool in Batman Begins. <laughs> yeah, that, I will. Con- I will neither confirm or deny that that's those were the exact women that you're talking yes. about. My brother <laughs> ballerinas. To, I think my brother likes to joke that I'm like way richer and famouser than I really am. Like that's kind of his angle he's taken to make fun of the YouTube thing. And so like we were down at this family reunion and they had these little cottages and it was like flooded and there were bugs all over the pillows and my <laughs> wife was like we're not doing this and i said all right let's go to a hotel i don't want to do that either i'm not putting it on her uh, so we got to the hotel but they only had one night they could book and we're like we'll have to find another hotel for the next two nights and my brother was like you should tell them i'm buying this hotel <laughs> and i'm setting some new rules about the available rooms and, and he, he found an excuse to do that joke again later like i'm buying this grocery store and you are restocking anyway uh, i don't have the kind of money to buy hotels sorry brother yeah. one day if i do yeah exactly. i'll do that just for you oh yeah i mean if i ever have the enough money to buy a hotel and something just just off happens i'm gonna i'm gonna threaten to buy it <laughs> why would you not i mean god that would be amazing imagine the feeling no wonder billionaires like more money imagine the feeling of being able to say that and know you could do it yeah. i'm buying 
this NFL franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and we're setting some new rules yeah. about the cheerleader squad. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we're going to go back on our road trip today. Road trip. Oh, shotgun. On the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all. The road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. And uh, we're going straight over from Michigan to Minnesota. Hey, Minnesota. That's hey, right. You get hey. to do this all day, eh? That's Canada. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. You know what? Minnesota. Although, you know, let, let's let's be honest though. Uh, people from Minnesota and Michigan, they're they're really Southern Canada, aren't they? Um, <laughs> yes. That's that's why you sort of can call their accent a Southern accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is a Southern Canadian accent. <laughs> right. Because uh, when I was watching that Escanaba in the Moonlight Michigan movie or whatever. <laughs> The way they talked in there, I was like, "Oh, it's very close to what is that we very would, Canadian." Yeah, we yeah. was very close to what we would say is Canadian, like strange brew type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, we're going to Minnesota, and man, looking at this list, I haven't seen very many of these. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping some of you have. I'm yeah. hoping I have too, because I'll tell you what, I didn't even look at the list. One of the reasons I like the road trip episodes is that I'm lazy. <laughs> and I don't have to do much show prep because mm-hmm. Barrett will go through and find all the movies that were filmed in or set in the particular state and send mm-hmm. us a list. And if I wanted, I could look through there or think through, do what Chris does, due diligence, come up with a couple others mm-hmm. that weren't on Barrett's list. But I don't. <laughs> I just skip right to the questions, throw in my answers and show up ready to talk. Hey. And I'm going to let you guys work so far. Got, I yeah. W- I wouldn't say that I haven't, I haven't seen like, you know, I've probably seen half at least. Mm. But there's still a lot of uh, some you're going to be surprised to have it. Right off the bat, Big Bully. Big I don't remember bully. if I saw this or not. This came out in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and this is like Tom Arnold and Rick Moranis. Oh, and my I God. don't remember if I saw this. So Tom Arnold is the bully and mm-hmm. to Rick Moranis uh, from childhood. <laughs> if Rick Moranis was the big bully, then that would have been, <laughs> That'd the, be that been a better movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's uh, he revisits all that and they, they fall into that similar dynamic again. It's broad comedy, but this is notable for two reasons, I think. One, it reminds me a lot of the Joel Edgerton version of The Gift mm. of like, you know, a mm. bully coming back after all these years and just kind of that dynamic slipping back into that dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Gift is a much, much better movie than uh, I'm Big guessing Bull. darker movie as well. Yes, much darker. And this is, as of now, the last on screen appearance of Rick Moranis. This was oh, his really? last movie. Yeah. So <laughs> he got bullied right out of Yeah. Now obviously there's been a lot of stuff that's happened to Rick Moranis. He wants to stay with his family. But this is to date his his most recent uh movie appearance, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. So sad about those these movies that are the last of yeah. somebody's career or whatever. Either they've retired afterwards, like Gene Hackman with Welcome to Moose Park, or they died shortly after, like Raul Julio with Street Fighter. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I mean, uh, it's all happened that, but that's yeah, just odd. Yeah, yeah. like while well, Val Kilmer did the Island of Doctor Moreau and then died. <laughs> then right he after was that. done. He was done after that. Never. <laughs> we have we haven't seen him since. Oh, so crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you're the only one I think that knows anything about Big Bully here. Is it good? It's, no, it's not good at all. Yeah, it's it's one of those nineties. Oh, silly broad comedies and uh it's not really there worth seeing it a period of time there where tom arnold was bankable for some reason mm-hmm. he was in true, it was lies, true lies yeah and and that was the main thing god tom arnold for years would say there's going to be a true lies too there's going to be a true lies too and i know he wants to have a true sure, lies too, yeah of man. course but man <laughs> it's never going to happen but like he was in 
the stupids that was another yeah, one that yeah. came out in that around that time and there was another one another tom arnold movie here's what um, i can tell you about big bully uh have you seen the movie fist fight with ice cube no i have yeah and i've seen big bully Right. Even though I haven't seen Big Bullet. I guarantee you it's just the same movie from twenty years set twenty years ago. Is there any redeeming value to Fist Fight? No. Because it's not funny at all? It's not funny. It's clear that everyone involved is taking a paycheck and they probably I kid you not, they probably filmed this start to finish in like a week. <laughs> and it feels like it. And they just were banking on Ice Cube and Charlie Day to sort of hem and haw their way through comedy mm -hmm. no, One of the, there work. was a some article came out when about the time this movie came out it was talking about how there's all these movies that seem to be coming out with that simple title that are trying yep. to draw people in with the just the oh it's very simple and it's a comedy you know like um like rough night or yeah. you know like, yeah fist fight you know it's oh this is what we're coming to see fist fight yeah mm -hmm. that's what it is right along right along yeah, bad yeah. teacher yeah <laughs> yeah all the bads are like that. yeah um anyway on to this trilogy of films that a lot of people uh hold into high regard i have not seen one of them Ooh, the mighty ducks you haven't seen a single one or there's never seen one, one single seen. mighty ducks wow hmm. well let me just tell you this if we were to ever send this movie the hockey shit in this movie alone first one <laughs> Oh, we're going to send Mighty Ducks at some point. I mean, it, we may have to break the counter again. For the, I mean, they do this flying V thing that's like their big ace in the whole play. Like, the, you know, how every sports movie has that, you know, Hail Mary. Picket fence. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah we're going to run the picket fence on. Um, so it's a, it's a flying V, and it's literally like got to be the most illegal formation of hockey players it's I've totally ever seen. offsides right well and it's like something they banned in the nfl in like 1922 <laughs> because somebody died from that kind <laughs> of wedge yeah it's a, yeah and uh oh god the hockey shit but the first one i think is worth watching for charm oh I, yeah i think it's probably dated as fuck at this point yeah now i ran it on this podcast about the second one so i know i've seen that in the last two years and it's ridiculous and terrible because uh, they go to the, like the Goodwill games or yeah, something yeah. there. Um, and then the third one, I don't think I've seen. But the first one is charming enough. You got Joshua Jackson um, well before Dawson's Creek. Mm -hmm. Emilio Estevez, you know, before he had lost his charm, mm -hmm. um, which I'm just assuming he has because I haven't <laughs> seen him lately. Um, <clears throat> and you know, a lot of other child actor faces that you've seen. There's a bully player. There's a bad team. That's just it's pretty formulaic. But. It's not tragically bad. Did uh, did this did this movie come out before the Anaheim Mighty Ducks yes. franchise? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And then when they got the franchise, they were like, "Well, we got to brand this shit." Yes. And mm -hmm. so they made it because it was a Disney, Disney originally and, owned the team, and right. they were just An they were Anaheim Mighty Ducks when they first came in, yep. and now they're just the Ducks. Yep. And they're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in the movies, they do a quack chant. Mm. That if any if they do that in real life in Anaheim, they should be ashamed of themselves because <laughs> uh, it's as it's as cheesy as you think it is. Uh, but you know there was this is one of those movies that hit a nostalgia period. It's very much like Saved by the Bell, mm. in the sense that if you talk to the right person in their early thirties right now about Saved by the Bell, they're gonna say all kinds of positive shit before mm -hmm. they ever get around to talking about how bad a quality show that was mm -hmm. right uh and it's the same with these movies mm -hmm. like, but people fucking love them if they remade it or rebooted it 
the internet would go insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but there's not enough quality there. So it's, it's not like it's the Goonies of hockey. A lot of, of these hockey. Disney yeah. movies, maybe these sports Disney movies, have these have this like real amazing cult following, like Cool Runnings and mm-hmm. all those. I mean, they, they may not be the greatest, but it's really just people's childhoods coming out oh yeah and, you know and and saying all right this is this was this is my childhood let much like the never-ending story is to yeah. me mm-hmm. yeah you know it's kind of like those are those fit into that kind of category for a lot of people uh then there's drop dead fred which i never saw either yeah okay i got now you got to remind me was this the one with the uh the invisible friend basically who is played by uh, an actor that was like a like a big deal, like Yahoo Serious or something the like girl that. Girl from Rick Fast Mayo. Times at Ridgemont High. Phoebe in this Cates. One? Okay, yeah. so there's one. There's another something dead that had Christina Applegate in it. Um, the Babysitter's Dead. Yeah, yeah. Don't All tell right. mom the Babysitter. There was a whole series of dead movies there for a while <laughs> where they were going for comedy with dead people. Right. Yeah. Weekend of Bernies. Weekend of Bernies. <laughs> exactly. God, that movie's like. God. Oh, and uh, and fucked up. well, and it was funny because you were talking about when Emilio Estevez lost his. Uh, his charm or whatever like there was another movie called uh what is it what he's in it with charlie sheen his brother men at work men at work yeah oh yeah that has that same fucking thing yeah like it's like it's, an, it's almost like weekend at bernie's with charlie yeah. sheen and, and Emilio estevez yeah um, by the way i really like that movie yeah really <laughs> <laughs> they're garbage man it's so good oh jesus um but drop dead fred is just basically where this imaginary guy uh her imaginary friend phoebe cates uh is named fred and he's you know wacky and stuff like that it's every generation has this role of like the yahoo serious or yakov Smirnoff or like mm-hmm. uh or uh tom green you right. know polly shore all these like just wacky dudes although it's funny the ones you just mentioned are almost all in the same era yeah yeah they kind <laughs> like, of they yeah they kind of i don't know i don't know except for this new this guy who was in uh, how to be a latin lover well there's also uh sasha baron cohen there's uh fucking russell brand it kind yeah, of fits into this type that. of thing yeah um so yeah i mean it, it, i'm sure we're on the verge of a new one coming yeah, out yeah you're so. probably right um so yeah don't have much to say do we have anything else to say about drop <laughs> I mean, dead it's, it's not very good there's another drop dead movie called drop dead gorgeous which is good it's a really good movie yes yeah. don't sleep on this movie because the problem is i think this movie gets overshadowed when you talk about so-called mockumentaries by all the stuff that Christopher Guest has done because mm-hmm. uh, this is the one with Kirsten Dunst and am I everybody yes uh, great cast everybody's nailing their role it's I think as good as most of those Christopher Guest movies because again, I, I personally think Waiting for Guffman and maybe one other one uh, and I'm not including Spinal Tap in Christopher Guest movies because he didn't direct that yeah, it was Reiner yeah <clears throat> um, I think the rest of his, like, Best in Show, I think is charming, but nowhere near as good as Waiting for Guffman. But mm-hmm. a, mo- a lot of Christopher Guest fans think they're all a mighty win. See, for all me, like it's, it's, it's those two, and then after that, I start not liking them. Yeah. Uh, mighty Wind is probably the worst one. Uh, for Your Considerations, not very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this has an amazing cast, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst, Ellen Barkin, Allison Janney, Denise Richards, Kirstie Alley, Brittany Murphy, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Fucking uh, Thomas Lennon is in this. Nora Dunn, Will Sasso. Like, this is just a real... Like, the comedic actors shine, and then the non-comedic actors are just put in such ridiculous situations that it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's sort of taking this idea of, of pageants 
and you know especially small town pageants and then you know giving the characters the same kind of stage mom <laughs> demanding characteristics you would get at like a national level pageant and then they're all getting interviewed off camera like a documentary or a reality show. It's, it's, I don't know how it came and went and nobody ever talks about it. Yeah. Uh, but they, it's pretty good. It's just there's those are such a hard sell. Yeah. Um, you know, the public at large, man, they don't like these. Oh, this isn't really a documentary. Well, that's stupid. Well, it's also a dark comedy. It's like Heather's. Heather's yeah. was a tough sell oh, yeah, back in the are, days. People are dying and oh, yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody's murdering contestants. Yeah, it's things like this. And Jawbreaker came out around the same time yeah. with Rose McGowan that was, that was similar in nature. Uh, so, yeah, it just gets overlooked because of the, the content and the style. But, yeah, you go back and watch it. It's hilarious. It also came out in 1999, and that's a huge year, obviously. Yeah. Um, July 23rd. Yeah, right in the summer. Yeah. Um, and so uh, that's why it came and went, was that it just had everything going against it. That's that's more what of a, a terrible time to release that film. Yeah. Unless more, you think you're counter-programming or something. Yeah, that would seem like more of an April-type movie. Or October. Or, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, even yeah. late fall um but i guess they they thought that it would take off during that time i don't know all right uh now on to probably the best movie ever in minnesota fargo yeah fargo you know this is one of those movies that uh, it always tricks you because fargo the city is not in minnesota right but the movie is set in minnesota and it's like they just kind of they chose the, the i don't know the the better name yeah, I guess so because there's just a brief period because that's where Steve Buscemi and uh, and the silent guy is coming from. Yeah, they I guess they do come from Fargo. Then. I think it's they yeah, come yeah. from Fargo and that's it. But this is Minnesota's fuck. Oh my god, I love this movie. Yeah, uh, um, it's another one I've probably seen a good twenty to thirty times. Yeah, and I tweeted I tweeted a couple of weeks ago that my wife has never seen this movie, but she knows when I start saying Margie at the end of everything that I've been watching this movie <laughs> because I can't stop myself. She'll come she'll come home from the grocery. I'll be like, oh, Margie, need some help with the groceries? Everything comes together so well in this movie. Uh, this is the Coen brothers at peak. Um, you have Carter Burwell's score in this. You have Roger Deakins uh, doing another amazing Roger Deakins job mm -hmm. in this. The story, too, uh, is interesting that the Coen brothers, and this has gone along with the TV series as well, uh, have said, you know, they, they tell you this is based on a true story, even though it's not. Yeah. The reason why they said that was they didn't want people going in thinking, oh, this couldn't fucking happen, even <laughs> though it fucking happens all the time. Yeah. Right. This type of stupid shit all, all the time happens. Um, the acting in this is unreal. So yeah. good. Uh, this was the... I'd probably seen Frances McDormand a few times before this, but I I don't think I even knew who she was, really. No, this was her. I think this was where she became a star or at least a known actress to most of America. I think most of her work before this had been in earlier Coen Brothers films yeah. that hadn't gotten as much attention. But after this, I think she, she becomes A-list. No, yeah. I mean, the, something that the Coen Brothers can do, obviously they've worked with Nicolas Cage and Josh Brolin and stuff like that, these leading men. Mm -hmm. But... They took character actors like William H. Macy and Steve Buscemi and Francis McDormand, who are not classic movie star good looking. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they're funny looking, you know, yeah. and just like made them huge stars just on the their abilities alone. Yeah. And they're so amazing. That's the funny thing to me, too, is that Marge goes through this whole movie being told that Steve Buscemi's character is funny. looking. <laughs> yeah. 
by the time she finds where he is, he's in a wood chip. Yeah. yeah. She never, she never gets, to, never see gets to see that. I mean, she might find a picture later on, I guess. Yeah. But it's funny because there's so many times, what, what, what kind of funny looking? Oh, just, you know, funny looking. Yeah. Everybody responds right. that way. Watching William H. Macy go through all the different, like, trying to get this scam. Uh, you know, he, he has to scam his car dealership because he's got a, he's loaned the, the two guys a car. <laughs> Uh, you know, and you know, he keeps trying to put off this one guy on the phone. And what's so funny is listening to this guy. He's like, Oh, Mr. Lundegaard here. He's like so cheerful the first yeah. time. And then the second time he's like, he's like, my patience is at an end. Yeah. yeah. I'll fix that right over to you. Yeah, he's like, it's I, like, well, I no, the no, facts. no, facts is what I got. And I can't read the darn thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, Fargo is amazing. If you have, if you have, if you only know, even the TV series is great too. Mm -hmm. I think it's on par with it at least. If it's, if not, you know, some, some might think better. I don't know. I like the movie better, mm. but, um, that second season of Fargo is just, oh, it's like sex. Mm. Yeah. It's just mm. perfect. Yeah. It's like one of the things about Fargo, the movie that frustrates me is how fucking short it is. And I guess on most days, that's a good thing because I'm more inclined to want to get in and get out and get on with my life. But it always feels like it's over 10 minutes after it starts. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it is a fairly short. I don't know the actual one time, but I bet it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, cause, but looking at it on the HBO or whatever, on the guide, it's always, it looks like half as long as every other movie that's being listed there. And I want to steepen that more. And I guess that's why I like the series a little more because it takes mm -hmm. its time. Uh, but yeah, it's fantastic. No genie, no money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, Jerry, you're not trying to sell us a damn car. <laughs> <laughs> On to Feeling Minnesota, which I, I did see this. Yes. Uh, this I is Cameron <laughs> Diaz and Keanu Reeves, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, I don't, deleted. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, isn't this where she's getting married and then, like, she fucks him and isn't that what happens? There's this movie and the one with Ewan McGregor. There's some movie with... Never mind. Go on talking about feeling Minnesota. I'm going to. I'm going to. Cameron Diaz is a stripper, and yeah. she's marrying Vincent D'Onofrio. Right. But then she meets Keanu Reeves. Right. And there's a, the only part I remember from this movie is her going in, seducing Keanu, and like pulling up her dress, and then going bullseye. <laughs> Sweet. That sounds awesome. Actually, why didn't I like this movie? Yeah, I know. Something like that. Uh, and uh, oh, you know yeah. when penetration occurs. Um. And I remember also in the credits, they actually thanked Soundgarden. Oh, yeah. Because they're... Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Because you know. of the, you know, the song. Uh, was it uh, uh, Outshine? Outshine, yeah. yeah. Outshine has like, I'm feeling Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm looking California, but I'm feeling Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a very good movie at all. No, this is not good. No. Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking of a Cameron Diaz, Ewan McGregor movie, A Life Less Ordinary. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It came which, out around the same time. Which only runs together in my mind with Feeling Minnesota because they both have Cameron Diaz and they're both completely forgettable. I saw yeah. them both in the theater and remember nothing. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's Danny Boyle. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was Danny Boyle. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. I don't, I don't think I saw the movie. I just remember... And the trailer, you and McGregor was like, I'm trying the best I can. He's <laughs> like, I'm trying the best I can. It's under very difficult circumstances. Um, you do a great McGregor. Thank you. I'm sure when I listen back to it, I'll feel the same way. Hey, speaking of you and McGregor, because you, you were so high on it, I watched The Ghost Rider the other day. Uh-huh. It was okay. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, 
<laughs> doing the Jerry Seinfeld thing here. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Yeah, pretty good. Janine Garofalo. Yeah, I know. It's interesting, though. There's a lot of twists it and turns. It is very interesting, and there are a lot of twists and turns. Good I, acting. I, don't, I think I would probably grade it half a letter grade lower than you. Mm. I wasn't mad I watched it. I totally get why you like it. Mm. But it was also a little predictable, and maybe that's just because maybe well, something yeah. you said tip, tipped me off. Yeah, because we talked about yeah. the fact that it's twisty and turny. Yeah. If you go in, you know, nude. Yeah. Go in nude. <laughs> I go into every movie nude. Right. I don't know about you. Yeah. That's why I keep getting kicked out of theaters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> okay, so the next one, I'm actually going to go down further on the list before we go to that one. Uh, Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Purple yeah. Rain. Go Barrett. Go Barrett. Um, Give us 20 minutes on Purple Rain's okay. greatness. So I fell in love with Purple Rain, obviously, from the music first. And then I happened upon the movie. Now, I didn't see the movie. It was 1984. Mm-hmm. So I was much too young to see an R-rated concert flick, basically. Right. So I came to this movie much later, like in the early 2000s or something like that. I fell in love. I was super into Prince uh, musically uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. And once I watched this movie, I, I just I just became enveloped. It is not a good movie. I think I've said this many times. It's not a good movie, but it's a terrific concert movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's maybe five or six, maybe seven showpieces in this where Prince and the Revolution are performing, and it's stuff like Let's Go Crazy. It's a song that you've heard many times. Let's Go Crazy, and even Darling Nikki, mm-hmm. and, like, uh, and of course, Purple Rain itself, I Would Die For You, and stuff like that. All of those are fantastic, especially if you watch this movie in context, which it does have an emotional core to it. Prince, the the kid, as he's known in the in the movie, has a difficult and abusive relationship with his father um, and his father's abusive to his mother. His father tries to commit suicide um, and he had written this piece of or uh, Prince had written this piece of music before. And when he comes to grips and all this stuff is just falling around him, he finally fleshes out this this song called Purple Rain. And when he performs it, when you have all of that context behind it and his emotional performance and everything on stage, it will floor you. So it is worth watching the movie just to build up to that performance, and it will absolutely give you chills. Let me ask you a question that I, I'm, I probably should know the answer to. Was, was, was the music in this film something on an album and then the film came years later, or was the film something that was tied to the release of an album the film these... and the movie, uh, the film and the uh, and the album came out right around the same time. Okay, so that's interesting to me because mm-hmm. it's some of his most iconic music. Mm-hmm. Even though I bet you the average movie lover has not seen this film, probably not. And I just think that's interesting. They've because... probably seen the performances. They've probably seen "Let's Go Crazy" because I think that was part of the video. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this was filmed at First Avenue in Minneapolis, which mm-hmm. is like an iconic club that Bob Dylan used to to play at. Um, and it's eighties as fuck. Like it'll pan out to the crowd and they've got the eighties stuff and everything. They're doing synchronized choreographed dances and everything. Stuff. Yes. They have friendship bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, it, this movie reminds me a little bit of Pink Floyd, the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pink Floyd, the wall is a little bit more abstract, actually a lot more. Abstract. Yes, it is. Um, it doesn't have a cohesive like story going on during it, whereas Purple Rain does. But Purple Rain also goes into a lot of montages and stuff mm-hmm. like that while the songs are playing. Um, when when Dove Cry is where bigger, that yeah. where that happens and everything, but you still get like actual. I mean, there's some occasional like acting movie scenes in Pink Floyd: The Wall, but there are a lot more in Purple Rain and mm-hmm. um. 
you'll never uh you'll never um uh, go to lake minnetonka without thinking about the scene that happens at lake minnetonka yeah and that chain that scene changed my life man because <laughs> apollonia is his uh, girlfriend and uh they, she's uh she's fallen in love with morris day from the time who's the rival uh the rival group and everything mm-hmm. and you get to see them perform jungle love and the bird and stuff like that and they're fantastic uh but then prince takes her on a motorcycle and they drive up to lake minnetonka and he says uh, she says, you know, I want to kiss you or something like that. And he's like, before you do that, you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> and she's like, huh? And so she strips naked and gets in the, the waters and then he rides off. Yeah. <laughs> he drives off? Yeah. He comes back. <laughs> oh, so like a joke? Yeah, it's yeah. a joke. Oh. He's yeah. a prankster, that prince. Still, I mean, those still, 80s movies, you never know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like in a lot of other movies, he would have driven off and been like, good luck finding a farmer who will yeah. drive you back. Um, yeah, Purple Rain is just one of those movies that you, I watched this, the, I watched, I've, I've seen it, I've seen it on home video, but I saw it at our local Belcourt on a midnight show. Oh, nice. Uh, so I've seen it on the big screen and everything. And that is the perfect way to experience yeah. Purple Rain. Uh, watch it with a whole bunch of people. Don't watch it by yourself, really. I mean, unless you're, you know, like a big, huge, <laughs> unless you're friend. me. Yeah. Unless, <laughs> unless you're Barrett. Um, uh, the sequel came out. Yeah. Uh, later on called Graffiti Bridge, which yeah. I never saw. Oh boy, it's not good. It's, it's actually like the, an actual sequel to this. Like the story continues. The kid is now a club owner. It's, man, everything is it that. Still Prince? Yeah, yeah, it's still Prince playing the part. Is it another album tied to a movie? Yes. What songs are in it? Uh, nothing really that you remember. There's one fairly big hit that came out of Graffiti Bridge. Let me pull it up. Were, were most of his hits recorded? Before or for Purple Rain, and then after that, most of his stuff wasn't. Mm. I'm asking, I don't know. Thieves in the Temple was the big, uh, the one that came out of this. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, he did like uh, the New Power Generation and stuff like that. Um, he did, of course, uh, the Batman soundtrack in, ni- in 1989. Well, and he had a, he had a. Uh, I don't know what the al- I can't remember what the album was called in the early 90s. He had a lot of hits off of that. Yeah, they Diamonds were, and Pearls. Were, was Diamonds was and big, Pearls and yeah. all that were. Uh, they were softer songs. Mm-hmm. They were, and they were there as early 90s as fuck as it gets you know like it's yeah like every song on that thing oh yeah i remember being 14 when that came uh, out. yeah because there's stuff like diamonds and pearls and things like that but then there's stuff like seven uh there's things like get off there's mm-hmm. things like pussy control yeah yeah yeah, that, yeah. Uh, and then a uh, sexy motherfucker and all like he got real dirty before he became a jehovah's witness right and just cleaned that shit up around the year 2000 <laughs> and it was awful <laughs> Well, and then he was just that symbol there for a while, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, Ever since Prince turned himself into a symbol. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it always comes back to Eminem, doesn't I it? I almost let one loose earlier. <laughs> just you know, when you talked about Limp Bizkit. Almost came oh, out. nice. Almost came exactly. Yeah. Anyway, Graffiti Bridge is totally unnecessary. I watched it just because I love Prince. Purple Rain is worth seeing at least once just for the performances alone. It would almost be like Eminem making Nine Mile, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now that he's a, 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 it's him and Papa Doc still like rivals. Now that he's a platinum selling, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grammy winning artist, he still has some kind of beef with yeah. somebody. He's got to get over. Right, he's got to go back to the streets and win the rap battle again. That's right. He's like he's like uh, Rocky in Rocky Five, <laughs> yeah. fighting Tommy Guns. That's right. Um, uh, then we have the. Uh, 
a curious uh, <laughs> series of movies called Grumpy Old Men and Grumpier Old Men. What do you guys think of these movies? The uh, first one, watchably funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's always it's fun watching Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, who had, who've done so many movies together. They finally got them back for this when they were in their seventies, mm-hmm. I think, at the time. Uh, and and they're that's the title tells you everything. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. grumpy old men, man. They're frisky. They're fighting over a lady. The movie is worth Burgess Meredith's outtakes in the credits. Yeah, as he true. just spews various <laughs> euphemisms for sex. Yeah, yeah. Um, alone. Yeah. And there's right. ice fishing involved. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think you could watch this without smiling at mm-hmm. least. Now you're probably not going to get a ton of belly laughs, but it's it's as good because this kicked off a whole new era of them doing movies together they did that um well they did the sequel to this they did that boat one where they're yeah. like, gone fishing or something like that so they're uh, they're on some kind of cruise um they made i think i want to say five or six movies that were comedies late late in their careers and this kicked off kind of that whole out to sea was a lot out of to sea yeah. and none of them are as good as the first grumpy old man right um, like that gone fishing movie that you just brought up is one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah, I think who's that, in that? I think that had uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Is and, that Boat Trip? Oh, that's Boat Trip. <laughs> no, maybe it was Joe Pesci that was in Gone Fishing. Oh, I don't know. Uh, and Danny Glover. Oh, oh I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, Joe Pesci, Danny Glover, and Rosanna Arquette. That was <laughs> nice, a shitty movie. Nice. 4.7 on the IMDb. Yeah. Um, yeah, Boat Trip had Cuba Gooding Jr. Anything with fucking boats and water, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. No watch. Speed it. 2. Yeah. Fuck off. Titanic. Um, uh, yeah, Inside Out, we don't know if we, Inside Out is mainly San Francisco, mm-hmm. but it starts in Minnesota and everything. Don't know if we talked about it much when it was in California, because there's so many things to right. talk about in California. Um, but yeah, she's always like pining to go back to Minnesota throughout this whole movie and everything. This is still probably in my top three or four Pixar movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It would be Maybe. top 10 for me. And again, I, I really connect to that sorrow of a child who has had to move away from their friends and wants to go back. Um, but it does, it does that thing Pixar movies sometimes do when, when it goes to wacky, it goes to 11 instead of 10. <laughs> And it's just at that point, like when they're in the whole ball pit universe with the fluffy dog and the whatnot, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I need more of the human girl. please. Anyway, I like it a lot. Uh, It's fantastic. But yeah, very little Minnesota, mostly mostly in her memories in that opening montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Then there's Jennifer's body. Um, (laughs) I just made a a scene about this movie. Oh, really? Seriously? Um, <laughs> oh no, I, I haven't. Like An Amanda Seyfried joke? Yeah, it's nice. Amanda Seyfried joke. <laughs> Jennifer's body uh, has uh, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, and uh, and they they're this unlikely uh, f- this unlikely friendship starts between them, I guess. And she, Amanda Seyfried, slowly finds out that Megan Fox is, uh, I guess, a vampire or something, or some sort of demon. I yeah. think demon. it's darker than that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she gets like gang raped in the beginning of the movie and then comes back out of the woods as like a demon oh person. that is what happens i think that is what happens and and she like ends up like trying to kill everybody yeah now she, she starts dating guys and like then just just kills them yeah am i crazy barrett she's a succubus oh she's a succubus yes. well that explains mm-hmm. everything. yeah 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 <laughs> uh, anyway megan fox is killing everybody <laughs> and uh amanda seyfried who's just uh 
become friends with her and everything is slowly beginning to realize this or whatever throughout the movie diablo cody who wrote juno mm-hmm. uh, wrote this and it's become a cult classic i didn't like it myself i didn't either um but so it's, it's it's very dark and it's it's campy it's it's got the heathers vibe mm-hmm. um but uh i don't know I, I don't know what i was expecting from this movie i just i don't think i liked it as much uh it's also another movie where they hype somebody after juno diablo cody was everywhere yeah and so like this was her next movie so like you know you start you know everything start all the stuff that you you were worried about with juno started to creep up in jennifer's body Mm -hmm. like the she really loves those crazy obscure 80s (laughs) movie references and stuff like that and those always crop up uh no it's got a cult following a lot mm-hmm. of people really like this and everything it's kind of become that type of movie yeah then there is jingle all the way jingle all the way hey we're gonna talk about larange twice at this episode yeah. right larange right. actually sent us a jingle all the way poster <laughs> he did he did that's how much he likes jingle all the way he did i saw uh, somebody on twitter sent him a picture of how much the just released photo of shazam zachary levi shazam mm-hmm. resembles the dude turbo man oh really oh really (laughs) in jingle all the way and he was like yeah i love it jingle all the way is about two fathers who are fighting over the last toy Mm -hmm. that they need to give their their kids to earn their love and arnold schwarzenegger is a is a busy businessman that doesn't have time to you know truly devote himself to his kid until he comes to this realization that it's not about the i'll toy. tell you what's bullshit about this movie immediately is that there's even one toy to fight over right. if it's that popular it would have been sold out for weeks <laughs> and everything but of course because you know you have to have a movie happen somehow yeah it would have been i don't know it would have been i don't know there's, <laughs> there's no way to make this better uh, uh, well in keeping with the theme this was the last movie sinbad did before he died that's right <laughs> Uh, uh, phil hartman steals this movie <laughs> yeah and i think is worth watching the entire movie for yeah. uh, this is jake lloyd um who has not yet been you know beaten into submission by star wars bullies uh, man <clears throat> that's a whole con- we could have a whole podcast about that couldn't we we could because i'm really troubled by this narrative that's happening right now about how, how star wars fans have become toxic no mm. no 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 they, they've always they've been always been and they just now have social media to get right up in the faces of the people they want to bully. That's yep. the only well, difference. It's like the uh, the uh, the girl who played um, Rose in the last one yeah. had to quit Twitter and all sorts of stuff because apparently it's her fault uh, if you didn't like The Last Jedi. This is just what trolls do is they like to bully. They like to, they want to, sad as it is to say her quitting twitter twitter probably gave them what they wanted uh, the only thing more they could have wanted would, would be for her to clap back at them and uh, acknowledge their existence but people who who harass over any reason but over a movie in particular those people are twisted mm-hmm. and they're they're a small minority but they're fucking loud and yeah. it's really annoying and and i've seen i'll be honest i've seen just as much vitriol from the people who love The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. as I have seen, now I maybe haven't seen as, as much harassment, but as far as like dismissal of other opinions, and you know, I even I think Sims are even joked about. I'm not going to talk about my dislike for Last Jedi on Twitter anymore because it's like you're almost stepping at it at this point, 
because it's easy that, that we're starting to lump anybody who hated that movie in with the group of people who harassed her off of Twitter. That's not right at all. And and I see like there was this one guy who wrote a thread yesterday and everybody, including Ryan Johnson, was praising this thread where he was talking about how people have miscategorized Luke and in the Return of the Jedi as this powerful Jedi who beat Darth Vader's ass and then at the last minute decided not to kill him when in reality he never wanted to fight. And, and what happened was he realized that fighting was turning him evil, so he stopped fighting and that how that has poisoned what their view of the last jedi i'm like i was like whoa 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 <laughs> not everybody who disliked the last jedi is poisoned right right yeah. right like i didn't like it for a lot of movie i thought i'm really happy i'm really proud of that sins video because i feel like it gives praise where some is due and points out that we, like our my issues with this film are not it's not my star wars yeah That's it's, not it's my fuel issue. based is, yeah, <laughs> is exactly. most of our um, <laughs> and you know logic based yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway um so yeah it's I'm, I'm concerned about that trajectory that conversation is going but there's plenty of evidence even a mob best who played jar jar came out yeah. recently and acknowledged the fact that he was suicidal after those movies um that doesn't happen if he's not at the very least reading the vitriol and hate mm -hmm. if not having it either thrown at him in public or mailed to him or who knows what you know what I would, this is a, I know that we've been accused of this type of thing too, but I, I still, I think I would like to see a, a trolls version of star Wars and see if they can do better. Well, and, um, yeah. you know, I mean, I know that that's what, I know that's a, what a lot of times people throw at us like that matters at all when we're, what, what we're doing. Uh, but I would like to see a trolls version of star Wars and see if they can handle the, the kind of. Well, what I also think is fascinating, absolutely fascinating, is that Mark Hamill was public two years ago about how after he first read the script, he was angry and did not like the way they took the character Luke. And in the two years time, he has come around to not saying any more of that. And I'm sure part of it was he was coached to stop saying negative things about the film. But I mean, even Luke himself saw that story and went, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> so to color anyone who reacts to that movie with, wait a second, as toxic, that's troubling to me. Now, granted, if it's it's being done on a grander scale in politics <laughs> left and right. So maybe it's just what we have to deal with anymore is that is that we're just going to label entire groups based on the subsect of, you know, two percent that are doing this evil thing i don't know anyway sorry that was a huge sidetrack and apologies yeah we just <laughs> we were just talking about jake lloyd being in uh jingle all the jingle way, all the way. <laughs> uh, he was yeah and uh yeah before before all the star wars hate he's trying to get the turbo man i remember the era that inspired this movie's plot yeah because man. there was like and i think it was even like pre-furbies but there was this era where for three or four years in a row, there was an it toy. Was it was this in Beanie Baby area? It might have been the Beanie mm -hmm. Baby era. Yeah. This was there was like an so it right toy before. that sold out that mm -hmm. everyone was. There were literal fights in stores. Like, you know, you joke about this movie. I being, saw one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so and then somebody said, you know, what, we can make a comedy out of this pretty easily. <laughs> and they, they did. They made this movie. Yeah. yeah. Even though there are, there are people who die because of stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they get trampled and all kinds of bullshit. But yeah, but just make more, you yeah, fuckers. Right. You fucking greedy I know, toy companies. That's what I never understood. It's like, this is a really popular toy. Let's make it sell out so easily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that, you know, I know I know that having it sold out drives demand as much as anything a lot of times, but you know, make it available, man. Don't make people fight over this. You know shit. what? I, I uh I went on a kick about three or four years ago of buying these Lego architecture sets. Oh yeah. I don't know if you've seen these. Oh, yeah. Um 
and I bought and built like three or four of them. I built the Sears Tower and the Burj Khalifa and uh, a couple others. Uh, some New York Chrysler building, maybe. I don't and then know. you blew them up like in a Roland Emmerich style. No. Uh, and then I went on Amazon and I ordered like 10 more. And they have been sitting in a box in my office since I ordered them because I have not yet gotten to a place where I had the space and the time to open a bunch more Legos and build them together. And then I went to McKay's the other day that used bookstore place, by the way, which I found out was a chain. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have one in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. one in Knoxville. I didn't know that. Uh, we went there the other day, and I'm looking, and they have some of these Lego architecture sets, and they're priced at like $150. What? I was like, what the fuck? And I went home. I've got like $1,200 worth of Legos <laughs> in 10 sets, mm. all because they make these limited runs. Ah. So they only make so many. And I happened to buy in that first run. You can still buy the Sears Tower architecture series, but it's like series three or four of that Sears oh. Tower, and it has a special serial number. Huh. And the serial numbers on that first wave are all worth, because of the rarity, because mm. you can't buy them anywhere at all, except through the secondary market. Mm. Like, we'll be, go on eBay and you know, make a bunch of money. Yeah, to yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to build Then one. you can buy, yeah. buy an actual hotel. But again, I think that speaks to what you're talking about, is that sometimes they're trying to create this... I don't know, like yeah, it, exclusive it, it, modern it, antique value it, or something. It's it's funny to me how how toy manufacturers have a completely different uh, idea of how to make something hot and and you know wanted uh, compared to like the movie industry, which is like they they try to put as many of the movie in one place as possible because it used to be a big thing. You'd go to a movie, it was sold out. Yep, and um, and while I agree with the idea of something selling out giving it buzz just let people fucking watch the movie put it in a hundred thing you know that there's going to be you know you know you know there's going to be some movies that are playing during this time that are taking up auditoriums that don't need to yeah so they, they have a completely different philosophy on that like yeah. nintendo switch was yeah. impossible to find <laughs> forever well especially those throwbacks they did like oh yeah like a classic for mm-hmm. nintendo and super and those sold out like that i'm just like what's the fucking point yeah yeah bastards yeah <laughs> it's 2018 just make more mm-hmm. dicks is there anything particularly Minnesota about Jingle All the Way? Or is it just that they filmed it snow. there so that they could get the snow and all that? Yeah, I mean, they just set it there. I don't even uh-huh. remember there being, like, a lot of Minnesota actions. Oh, there's, uh, there's a big fight at the Mall of America. Oh, ah, yeah. Mall of America. Yeah. Basically, Minnesota's only claim to fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which, in this day and age, is probably kind of dwindling. I bet that place still does pretty bang business. Oh, it does. malls are dying everywhere. Yeah, it's it's a destination. It's got, like four chilies it's oh. got like eight levels doesn't it <laughs> oh it's more than that like it's it's a city i saw a reality show about security guards who yeah, worked yeah, there yeah that shit was crazy yeah i never want to i would never take that job yeah. man eight levels jesus christ yeah, that's wild um then uh going on to juno which we we did talk about a little bit with jennifer's body although which uh, again is i don't feel like a minnesota i mean there's snow middle america maybe yeah, yeah. But, but it's uh, in uh yeah it's in uh minnesota yeah. It's probably like St. Paul or whatever. The Burbs. Yeah, I mean, it, it just says Minnesota. High so School. I wonder if there's a Diab- Diablo, Diablo Cody kind of Minnesota, Stephen King, Maine kind of thing. Maybe so. I really love this movie. Uh, Juno? Yes. I do too. Uh, because I have always been able to view the the dialogue as a, as sort of a trigger that I'm in an alternate universe. <laughs> if that makes sense? <laughs> yeah. And not something where I'm like, well, people don't really talk like that constantly. Almost like a Kevin Smith type of thing, right? Well, yeah, because yeah, because I feel like I've seen plenty of kid has their kid gets pregnant, what's going to happen mm-hmm. kind of stories, but it's but I haven't seen so many of them 
in a universe where people talk like this yeah. and bond over obscure horror movies and music and whatnot. Um, yeah, I love it. Made I think an it's... instant star out of Ellen Page, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, I had seen her before in a movie called Hard Candy. Yeah, that's a rough movie to uh, watch. It's a really yeah, rough, is. really rough movie. But that's where I first uh, recognized her. This was, you know, obviously a complete polar opposite type of role for her. Made an instant star out of Diablo Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Reitman directed this. They've gone on to do three or four other movies after this, too. They just did uh, the... Young uh, Adult? No, well, it was a, they did that, but there was the... Uh, uh, t- 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 Trudy... Um, <laughs> it was, it's a one-name thing with Charlie's there. Charlie's the one there. that just came out. I'm, uh, <laughs> Tully. 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 Yes, Tully. Tully. Uh, anyway, yeah. And uh, what a fucking cast in this, too. Yeah, like, uh, Is Tully on the Minnesota list? Uh, no, it's not. Strangely <laughs> enough, considering that they're, you know, the Diablo Cody. Uh, and that's all. true, yeah. Um, but, but uh, yeah, Jason Bateman is... <sighs> I don't know. He's got a complicated character in this. Yeah. Man, I love his character. Yeah, I do too. It's so straightforward to me. It is complicated, but he does not want any part of this. Yeah. yeah. It is too late. He cannot back out. Yeah. And listen, if you've ever asked a girl to marry you and then she said yes, you've experienced at least three seconds of this feeling. <laughs> Where you're like, well, that was pretty permanent. There's not really any going back from that. Yeah. And hopefully you've chosen the right person and that doesn't bother it's you. only last three seconds yeah this is, but uh, this is it's nagging at him and he's just, he's just grasping at his his childhood his young adult his freedom uh i can really connect to that character for some reason because i think maybe one of my biggest fears was always uh having a kid when i wasn't ready mm. and jennifer gardner is such the antithesis of his character oh yeah. she's you know super fastidious and like you know really into this you and- can almost hear you don't. It's not in the movie, but you can almost hear the arguments they had, where she slowly beat him down, yeah, to get him to agree to something he wasn't necessarily ready for or willing to do. Oh, it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, sad. Mm-hmm. yeah. You, and he's, you know, he's married to, you know, a, a, an absolutely gorgeous woman yep. and everything. And you'll probably do anything you'd want to, anything that you can does to keep that keep that woman happy. But yeah, you can see this is not something he wants at all and um yeah i understand this too i understand his character quite a bit in this um, jk simmons and yeah, Janney, yeah. Uh, almost steal the movie they're such great parents they are oh man it's mm-hmm. it's always cool like this and easy a like it's always cool to just see cool parents yeah, that are just parents. fucking whiplash where paul riser is just like trying to do wherever he, whatever he can for his kid that's you don't see that very often in movies Allison Janney plays a stepmom right is i think it, so yeah because yeah, they were because like he I guess uh, Juno's mom died or something like that. And then now she's. Yeah, I think and, that is it. And Janny has a fantastic scene towards the uh, middle end of this yeah. uh, where she's been going over and seeing Jason Bateman over and over and over again. And she's like, it's like, listen, kiddo, you can't just keep going over to this married couple's house. And mm. You don't know what it's like to be married. You don't know all this type of stuff and everything. And of course she reject Juno rejects this. I'm I'm grown. I'm having a, I've got a baby growing inside me all this type of stuff. Um but man, what a that's probably my favorite scene in Juno. Mm-hmm. Is Alice and Janney giving her the what's what. Well, and we haven't even mentioned Michael Sarah. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah, he's really good in this. He's playing Michael Sarah, but yeah. um I'm I'm not tired of that yet. Uh, no, he's he, adorable. He can keep doing that as yeah. far as I'm concerned for several more years uh before it wears out its welcome um then there's little big league <laughs> i don't 
think I saw this. This had, does this did this have Lucas Haas in it? Was no, it's that? Luke Edwards. Luke Edwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he he becomes the manager of the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, yeah. He He's like inherits kid. the inherits the franchise basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I never saw this, but I'm sure it went just like every other baseball movie. I mean, it's all these little like kids getting involved in professional sports. Mm-hmm. You know. Fucking angels in the outfield it's and fantasy. rookie it's of the year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what seven-year-old kid didn't wish he could pitch mm-hmm. for the Cubs or his <laughs> yeah. favorite team or, yeah. or manage make the managerial decisions? Uh, but yeah, we don't see that too much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't either. But there was like a good 15, 20 years there was that was a very common thing. Yeah, and they were always they were typically fun. Well, then you, you know, got the I'm animal sure animal sport, the offshoot of animal sport, which fulfilled. <laughs> I think there's like fourteen Airbud movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Golden Retriever, and then Golden there's like the little yeah. giants, the little Pee Wee football version. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I never saw this either. Yeah, uh, but I'm sure it went the same way as all the other ones. Either he he oh he made some pretty good managerial decisions, and they won the pennant. Yeah. Like, a lot of baseball movies always focus on the pennant, and they never yeah. focus on winning the, the World, World Series. Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, the natural was like that, you know, like, because it the whole thing about the natural was if they didn't win the pennant, they were going to be able to move the team and all that. Out of New York, by the way. That's right. Because you don't want that hotbed of fucking <laughs> yeah. business. That's uh, too big. <laughs> too big. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, and I never saw it. Um, North Country, which was... Uh, uh, this is Charlize Theron in basically what is her Norma Ray. Right. Although this is well, more sexual harassment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Norma Ray had quite a bit of sexual harassment in it. But as this well. is still like a coal mine or something, right? Yeah, it's some sort of mining territory. Yeah, and uh, Francis McDormand's in this mm-hmm. as well. Okay. Right. Uh, I this never is, saw this. This is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I believe uh, Charlize Theron gets nominated for this. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, uh, for this performance, and um, yeah, she did. And so did Francis McDormand too. Yeah. Um, this is one of those when when you hear this is one of those that comes out around Oscar season, and you're like, okay. That's probably important, yeah. but is it is it a good movie? And uh, it turned out it was actually really solid. Well, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is you can almost never tell with these with movies like this mm-hmm. unless until you watch it. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be important or and good or not important and bad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like because I remember I've told this story before. We saw Norma Ray right behind Sally Field at mm-hmm. the Chicago Film Festival. But going into that, it was more about watching a movie with the star in the same room. Yeah, I wasn't like giddy about watching Norma Ray. I figured it was probably important. Figured it was probably pretty good if she was going to sit through it again, um, and it was awesome. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, you know, a movie like this come along and you're like, ah, blah, blah, blah. but now I have to add it to the list. You know, innocuously titled and everything, North Country. Yeah, I mean, seriously, that, when you said North Country, I was like, nothing Wait. about nothing about the marketing of this movie says go watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't know what happens in the discussion of this. Well, it's uh, you know, it's about sexual harassment. We can't make it sound too exciting. That'll yeah, be, exactly. you know, that'll be like, uh, you know, that'll be. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, offensive or something yeah. like that, but I don't know. Uh, good movie, though. Uh, then we have Prairie Home Companion. That's oh, uh, Robert Jesus. Altman's last movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think of this you movie? You mispronounced worst. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, boy, this is the one with Garrison Keillor. Yeah. And Lindsay Lohan. Yep. Yeah, not enjoyable for and, me. Yeah, Lily Tom. Woody Harrelson. Yeah. John C. Riley. Did you ever listen Meryl to uh, yeah Meryl Streep? Did you ever listen to Prairie Home Companion? Never did. I listened to Prairie Home Companion like tape anthologies on long, long road trips. Like I, I was super. I grew up on Garrison Keillor stories and Lake Wobegon stuff. I even met Garrison Keillor at some point. Um, and uh, 
So there's a, a part of me that's nostalgic for this this radio program. Of course, it's Robert Altman, so I like Robert Altman stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very Altman-y. It's a lot of the overlapping dialogue. It's a lot of big ensemble stuff, cameras panning to different conversations. There's just no story mm-hmm. to this to this yeah. movie at all. Well, yeah, it's just it's doing the show. Yeah, it's like Nashville, only sort of just uh, contained into one yeah. arena the whole time. Uh, Isn't there like scandal about him now, though? Yes. Yeah. yeah he got uh, he got fired from Minnesota Public Broadcasting. He lost his show, but he was going to give over his show anyway. Uh, but they renamed the show. Um, he disputes it because he says it was just like an a, a inadvertent tap. Okay. But then a couple of other women have come forward and said that they did the same thing. So it's it's one of those kind of murky things. Okay. But he was definitely I just publicly I was plunged. trying to make sure that I wasn't wrong and recalling there was something there mm-hmm. that I had heard. But uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy the movie. I didn't, maybe I maybe it's I'm missing that connection to. Even so, there's yeah, just not enough meat there to. Not really. really. Like, I don't. I, I mean, I don't. I don't think you even. Yeah, like you. You even listen to it. Yeah. And like, I I, I kind of like the Woody Harrelson, John C. Riley bad jokes. Yeah, stuff that is in good. There, that's I thought that's fun. Like you know, it, it's funny because it's so terribly unfunny a lot of times, and they're just going along with it yeah. and everything. That's probably the best part of that for me. But, uh, yeah, it's notable because it is Altman's last movie. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've already said Purple Rain. Then there's A Serious Man, which is a movie that I have a hard time giving, a uh, hard time getting people to like, for mm. some, like, or finding other people who like it as much as I do. You really like it, right? I do. Um, this is a Coen Brothers movie. Um, and it stars Michael Stuhlbarg. Um, it is, it is very it is a strange ass film no doubt about it mm. uh and a lot of people compared it to the you know the story of job and and all of that uh and whether you compare it to the story of job or not i don't it's really immaterial to me i just enjoy watching this i think it's so funny and so weird all the way through it and i think this is stuhlbarg this is this is still my favorite performance from Stuhlbarg, mm. even though he's been in a million things after this. Um, <laughs> all last year. <laughs> yeah, all last year. But uh, it doesn't have like a serious, solid story going through it. And that might be one thing that alienates people from it. But he's a school teacher and he's trying to deal with his kids and his his crumbling marriage and his you know his wife is sleeping with a way older guy and and uh and he's trying to deal with like being single for a lot of this movie and everything and it's just like it's it's just kind of like going on it's not really one big story or anything have you guys not seen this no i've seen it you saw it i like it a lot oh you do it, yeah it's, oh, i, I was, only I'm saw beginning it. to wonder if i was just the, on a hanging on a limb no <laughs> in fact i had not seen it until we discussed it i think during the years best of the years we've been alive mm-hmm. so that would have been a year year and a half ago but i watched it after that because you had said you liked it mm-hmm. uh and i liked it i don't think i love it as much as you but mm-hmm. i remember i mean it's almost just kind of a slow burn that doesn't ever really explode right just, just all the shit around this guy is just just keeps going just wrong enough to be annoying <laughs> but the culmination of it while gaining weight doesn't ever you don't ever get that I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. Like moment where he breaks. It's just watching this guy get beat down. It's neighbors. It's job stuff. It's relationships with his family. The whole movie seems to be about, and, and, and he even has the sort of thing in his classroom where he's like, 
He's like, in the end, what this proves is that no one can know anything yeah. or something like yes. that. And that's what that whole movie seems to be about. The, the, the seeking truth, trying to find truth, you'll never find it, no mm. matter how hard you try. And there's a whole segment in there. This is probably my favorite part of the movie where uh, I think a, a dentist, or no, a rabbi tells a story about a dentist. And saying, like, uh, he every time he cleans this guy's teeth, he sees these little symbols on the back of his teeth. What does it mean, he th- he asks himself. And the, and the rabbi is going through this whole story and, like, uh, gets to a point where, I think he gets to that point. He's like, what does it mean? What does he think? What did, why, does he, why are these symbols on the back of his teeth? And he just ends the story. <laughs> and uh, Stuhlbarg's like, and then? What did he find? He's like, eh, who cares? And he's like, <laughs> he's like what was what was the what were the symbols he goes yeah it doesn't even matter he goes isn't that why you were trying to tell me the story he's like ah, okay well i'll tell you the right and he t- tells the end he's like he goes back and uh and some it like the the story has no point uh-huh. by the end of it he doesn't find out what the symbols are the dentist just sort of uh is uh happy that he he doesn't have to figure out what the symbols mean hmm. he's just he's just all right whatever hmm. i don't care that that makes me a better that makes me a happier person not see, seeking out this the answers to this and really? michael Stuhlbarg is like, like <laughs> why did you tell me this story there was a joke when i was growing up i don't know if this was a particularly religious thing or if it was an indiana thing but it was called the pink ping pong ball joke mm-hmm. have you guys ever heard of this Mm-mm. and the point of the joke was always you, had, you basically had to tell it to people who had never heard it before because the joke is just to drag it out as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, you make a pun <laughs> that ties back to the the tricks slogan. <laughs> tricks are for kids. Uh-huh. And it was like, kicks are for druids, I think was the punchline <laughs> of the joke. The but at that point, you, you have strung people along for like 18 minutes and you're <laughs> on an island and there's a volcano and there's like a tribe <laughs> and a ritual and there's a pink ping pong ball somewhere in there. I honestly have forgotten most of it. <laughs> Um, but I remember telling it and I remember watching other people tell it and keeping quiet, waiting to see how people, cause nobody ever reacts positively. Everybody's always mad that you yeah. wasted their time for that old. And then you, you're like, you feel like Andy Coffin when you're done. You're like, ah, I wasted your time for no reason. Anyway, what a shitty joke to do to yeah. tell people. That's what, it reminds me of there's a story or a riddle or whatever. I think it was just a story. Uh, just a fun, funny story about how though a king wants to marry off his daughter and the king says, you have to do these three tasks. He tells the whole country, you have to do men who want to marry my daughter. You got to do these three tasks. And uh, some are able to get through the first two. But the, the third one is to tell a story that goes on forever. That's the that's the huh. that's the thing. And so, like, all these guys who get past the first two and they tell the story or whatever, tell these amazing stories that go for hours and hours. But then they just get tired and they can't finish it. And, or it doesn't have any more point anymore. And so they just, they just drop dead or drop, you know, drop mm-hmm. exhausted or whatever. But the guy who ends up winning ends up telling a story that has absolutely no real story to it, but something that you can tell forever. So like uh, a man went out to his, to his farm. He dug one hole and then he went over two feet. He dug another hole. He went over two feet and ah. dug another hole. And he goes all the way through that. Then he went to that first du- hole he dug and put a seed there. And then he put <laughs> another seed and then another seed. And then he covered those up. And so it like keeps going on. And finally the king's like, okay, we won't be able to last <laughs> through this. You win. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, a serious man. It's a weird movie. It's a weird, even for the Coen brothers. Mm. Um, 
and I've had I've had a tough time with I mean some I don't say I'm trying to convince people to like it or anything. I guess I'm having a tough time finding a lot of people who like it as much as they I have do. a different speed. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the man who wasn't there mm-hmm. inside Lewin Davis, this this kind of thing, where it they just go into existential mode. Mm-hmm. And if you if you're into it, you're into it. Yeah, uh, I love the man who wasn't there, and mm-hmm. uh, the uh, and I'm coming around on inside Lewin Davis. So yeah, I mean this is this is my speed too. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's easy to get this and a uh, was it a Simple. single? It was a single man came out I think the same year. Colin Firth. Was well, there's, yeah. all, there's one with black and white with Billy Bob Thornton. That's the something man. It's, that's the man who wasn't there. Well, we're also about to get to a simple plan, a simple, oh, which is man. next. Um, but it, there's a, <laughs> like when I, when I when I first see a serious man, I have to sit there for a second, yeah. and go, "Is this the one that I'm thinking it is?" Because it could have very well easily been one of those where this is that Coen Brothers movie, and somebody goes, "No, nah, no, nah, it's that Colin Firth movie." Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah. shit, fuck. Okay. Um, Anyway, yes, I, I I highly recommend a serious man. I don't think we've talked about it that much on this on this podcast, but Barrett, I think you would love a serious man. Down. Uh, then then a simple plan. Great yeah. great movie. Yep. Oh, Sam yeah. Raimi. Yeah. Directed this one. You have Billy Bob Thornton. You have Bill Paxton. Is it, just a fantastic movie? Who's that third one? Is it Tim Blake Nelson? No, it's a bigger guy. Uh, I just saw him in something else and googled him like three days ago. Brent Briscoe. Brent Briscoe. And then there's Bridget Fonda. Yeah, but you're talking about Gary the guy Cole. that they try and trick into admitting on tape that yeah, he yeah. did the murder. Yeah, I can't think of his name, oh. but he's been in a bunch of shit. Well, it's got to be this guy. It's that guy for yeah, sure. Yeah, Brent Briscoe. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen A Simple Plan in forever, but I know that I really loved it mm-hmm. when I first saw it. So It's basically, uh, it's kind of like the heist version of 12 Monkeys. Where the ultimate conclusion is, you should never do a heist. <laughs> Just like in 12, 12 Monkeys, it's like time travel is never going to fix the problem. Um, because it's just basically these, these guys find this money and, uh, you know, it seems fairly simple. Simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it just gets complicated over time and, you know, people end up dying. It's just dark. It's, again, I think I said this before on the podcast. I think it largely gets overshadowed by Fargo because it's such a similar movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's violence, but there's comedy just in sort of the quirky small town northern nature. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton's excellent. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is one of his best. Yeah. Uh, outside of Sling Blade, you might even say this is better than Sling Blade. Yeah. Um, I'm supposed to get the farm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to get the farm. <laughs> he's just uh, yeah he's 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 so frustrating in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it does get that. Uh, it does get. M- sort of mixed in with fargo because it's got the same crime you know northern uh, united states type of thing and sam raimi and the coen brothers are linked together in film history yeah um so it it came out just two years after um so yeah it does it does sort of like get overlooked but uh, man simple plan's a good movie yeah bridget fonda goes from like offended to lady Macbeth, yeah <laughs> in like a night and a half and it's awesome yeah i really would really recommend it this yeah. is another one of those that's probably somehow unfairly been under the radar for mm-hmm. most folks it's good yeah. shit uh then there's i never saw this stewart saves his family yeah al one franken note, yeah one note premise al franken played stewart which was a it was a, a three minute fucking saturday night live thing called daily affirmations <laughs> right. Or not daily affirmations. No, that's right. Was that right? Smalley, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was, I was confusing it with deep thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. with Jack Because I, I was like sitting there going, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, a three-minute thing. With Basically, the joke was 
the funny thing for everybody was him looking in the mirror and saying, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like Yep. And then finally getting Michael Jordan to do it, that was where it jumped the shark. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was still probably only like the third or fourth version of that sketch. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there was still like 15 more after It's that. like, well, SNL does this to everything, but this is one of the better, bigger offenders, and Pat was one of the bigger offenders. Mm-hmm. That, that, that the joke and they stopped. made a movie out of that, too. Yeah, they sure did. <laughs> well, Lauren Michaels was throwing shit at the wall there for yeah, a while. Man. Yeah. And uh, eventually he found one or two, I think. Yeah. Well, like a Wayne's World will do all right. and But then, like, you can name a million of these superstar Night at the Rocks, Barry. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Coneheads. Coneheads. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> There's more you want to forget than, than uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stuart Saves His Family is not good. I never saw it. Um. Then there is Untamed Heart. Uh, well, this is Christian Slater, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, it's a girl's this, heart. <laughs> I tell you what, man. This was the this was the movie that you went to when you wanted to make out with with this your lady. This is literally a baboon heart, right? Yes. Yeah. He gets a baboon heart, <laughs> and it, the baboon is untamed. No, and nice. it wilds up his romantic it life. Sure does. And oh my God! I mean, Marissa Tomei had no filter for a while there after <laughs> she blew up she made this she made only the lonely with yeah. robert downey oh, yeah. jr she's made anything i saw this movie i took a date to this movie yeah you did and <laughs> all i remember is a simpsons quote that's not related to this movie it's a cow's heart <laughs> yeah. that's all i got trying to make a monkey out of you I, I think there's a moment where somebody she rubs his scar or something yep. i don't fucking care and he like takes a hockey puck to the chest or something like that at the end I don't know what happens. Oh, my God. But he dies. Oh, my God. He dies at the end. What a dick. And any person that you were with was likely to melt during that moment. And when they were melting, they were willing to make out. (laughs) Yes. Did you take like eight different dates of this movie? (laughs) More than one. That's enough. (laughs) So you saw this movie more than five times? Well. Well, <laughs> God, this is, we touched on something here. This was like his honeypot movie. This reminds me. Because hey, it came out on video. Uh, <laughs> oh, my did. God. Jesus. Oh, I've seen this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of uh, the South Park episode where uh, Randy finds out that the only reason guys take their wives to uh, Broadway musicals is because there's hidden messages in the Broadway musicals <laughs> that they will go down on them afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, they're watching this. They're watching a musical, and it's like they're singing all this. There's all this choreography and everything. And somehow, in the world, it's like, oh, what a day. Oh, what a blowjob day. <laughs> <laughs> And so they keep on like putting these little things in there, and at the end of it, you know, he's driving down the street and everything, and his wife's like, "He's like, that was a great time." That was a great- in fact, let's make it better. <laughs> and, it's like, and so like Randy's like, it's like, oh no way! <laughs> oh Jesus! Holy shit! Untamed heart, yep. huh? Yep. Oh my god! Yep. Well, I mean, it's it's beautiful people and sadness and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, man! Uh, I just I regret not being at a point in my my life where i could try that because mm-hmm. i mean that's just not gonna work on my wife no. <laughs> after 11 years of marriage no <laughs> but uh you know single me would have would have taken a run at that yeah if only i had known yeah at the time. i never knew you mm-hmm. should have shared that shit yep. yeah uh then there's wild uh reese witherspoon uh sort of a comeback for her 
Yeah, I guess so. Uh, she had she had sort of been milling about in a lot of like Sweet really shitty and, movies for there yeah. for a while, and she still makes one occasionally. But uh, Wild was sort of a tour de force for her. She was producer, star, and she does sort of what a, sort of an into the wild type of thing, mm-hmm. only not as you know crazy as i don't and think, I think also based on a real person too right based on a real person who, who wrote a woman a who actually did this mm-hmm. I, my, my wife read the book uh, i don't know if she's seen the movie uh but she loved the book movie's really good it is yeah, yeah. i haven't seen it but if it's anything like what my wife was telling me about the book i could i could see it being mm-hmm. amazing because it's sort of like there's like a pacific version of the appalachian trail mm-hmm. i don't know what they call it it's it's like the pacific West, trail or something west like coast yeah. trail yeah. or something yeah and um she does that all on her own and yeah and uh of course uh, along the way like the, the movie does a really good job of anytime she runs into new people She's got to have that instant guard type mm-hmm. of thing because you don't know what they want. They're nope. just you're on the middle of the wild, and uh, of course it's half and half. There's a there's a lot of people who are just doing good and they want to you know do the same trail and they want to help you out and that's all good. Then there's others they ain't that good you yep. know. And there's a there's a really tense scene where she she's pretty much has no choice but to get into this dude's truck. Mm. and it's so tense Mm -hmm. you're just like don't have any idea where this is going at all and i won't spoil it yeah um but wild is very good i would recommend it actually Mm. uh Mm. she gets nominated for this too i think reese witherspoon also this was the inspiration for that nick cannon show on mtv (laughs) it was it was so so uh back before he died yeah well when reese witherspoon yeah, when Reese Witherspoon puts down some mad rhymes middle in the way of this movie, it just it just MTV followed That's with right. it. Um, yeah, she did get nominated for this, uh, and so did Laura Dern. They oh, ended yeah. up both in uh, Big Little Lies or yeah, Pretty Little Lies. Pretty Little Lies. One of those lies. Big, big Little big Liars. Little lies. Big, li- big Little Lies. Yes. Big Little Lies. They both end up in. She's playing. Guys- did you guys watch that HBO thing with Amy Adams? I have not. Mm-mm. Shattered fingers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Shape of glass. What is it called? <laughs> it's, it's scars of shattered little fingers. <laughs> scars of shattered fingers. That does sound like it, though. <laughs> Something like that. Oh my god! Uh, Shrunken. It's, it's shattered glass. No, not shattered glass. That's that's sharp objects. Sharp, sharp objects. objects. I watched the first episode. It's really good. Is it? The, the, it's funny. The the only story that came out of that, I, I didn't know what I don't know what the show's about or anything, but there was like a controversy about what her stand-in, how she was treated, or oh, whatever yeah? on that set. Hmm. because apparently the stand-in wasn't doing quite the performance that they wanted or something like that or oh yeah and uh there were people coming up to her and like grabbing her by the elbow and it's like what's with that performance and everything and um and she she uh i think she went to amy adams and said I, no somebody came up behind oh, amy adams and grabbed oh, her that's thinking right. that's she was happened. the stand-in and Ad- amy adams immediately went to the show owner and said this can never happen to her again hmm. um and also the girl from it um plays like a younger her oh really younger amy adams in this uh the girl who played beverly uh-huh. oh yeah, yeah yeah i don't know that actress's name i don't um, know. but I don't she know was good enough in it that i recognized her immediately in this um uh, but i liked it i'm sorry i keep throwing his curveballs my bad <laughs> no i uh I shattered see, fingers i want to see that yeah uh then there is 
wrongfully accused i did watch this i i used to watch all of these parody movies yeah that yeah came me out. too this was a fugitive parody that came out some, like three or four years after the fugitive mm-hmm. wow. after uh, all of the buzz had died down yeah yeah um who's in this leslie nielsen jesus i don't remember this at all um i believe it was either pat proft one of those side zucker brother yeah uh it was either pat proft or jim abrams or somebody like that did wrongfully it was pat proft pat yeah. proft yeah um and uh yeah it's a parody of the fugitive and it wasn't very good no there were a ton of those that we you know it's funny we you know we uh bag on jason freeberg and aaron seltzer and all that for their and rightfully so mm-hmm. for their awful parody movies that came out in the last decade but right after maybe sort of starting the descent with naked gun two and a half Mm -hmm. uh there were a ton of these movies and they all had leslie nielsen it seemed like uh or he was making a a good paycheck yeah and if they weren't if they weren't leslie nielsen it was just i mean they had fatal instinct Mm -hmm. which was the basic instinct parody that had armand Desanti in it Mm -hmm. uh there was a loaded weapon yeah loaded weapon which has some moments in it Mm -hmm. um Dracula uh, the, Dead and Loving It. Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is Mel Brooks. And mm-hmm. then, There's uh, the one with Jay Moore and the mobster one. Oh, um, uh, Jane Austen's Mafia. Is that what it is? I think so. I just remember one of the gangsters was called somebody big, big red ass baboon on his head, and it cuts to that guy, and there's a big red ass baboon on his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, that's uh, that's Jane Austen's Mafia. That uh, that was Jim Abrams that did that. Um, that was Spy Hard. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. That's right. um, which Boy. has one great joke and it's the weird owl song at the very beginning of it which one is it? uh you're watching spy hard oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why they call it spy hard <laughs> um there was a million of them yeah like right because naked gun had done enough that they i think just like horror movies they had decided oh we can do these type of movies real cheap put leslie nielsen in it and like make our money and and move on because they made a ton mm-hmm. uh, but none of them uh, except for hot shots maybe yeah. out of the whole group hot shots and hot shots part duh mm-hmm. were good yeah. everything else after that was just yeah you, you're you're just kind of doing the movie and other movies like it and that's the joke yep um and then there's young adult we uh we finish off our our main list with young adult which was another diablo cody and Jason man that's Reitman. a good movie very good came out of nowhere and i remember watching this uh one of those thursday nights have i seen this has Charlize theron in it pat oswalt no i saw this on the tv guide and read about it but i have not watched it mm, yeah. yeah it's good and uh she, it's it's uh about a, a fully grown woman who's still trying to grow up yeah yeah she's an infant terrible so yeah. it's basically <laughs> <laughs> so it's like failure to launch <laughs> yes yeah it's exactly like failure all right launch. and i've already seen it. Uh, no it's way better than failure. i know yeah, i'm yeah. kidding I'm yeah kidding. yeah 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 failure to launch is piece of shit mm-hmm. uh young adults got some got, is, is really good no it's really good man charlize is such an i guess at this point she's not underrated but she's such a good actress mm-hmm. you know she's still so gorgeous that it's yeah, hard that's to the thing some when when she first came on the scene like two days in the valley and all mm-hmm. that it was easy to just call her ah she's just a pretty pretty girl and whatever but first time i i really liked her acting was that trial and error movie Mm. oh yeah. yeah that was way that was the, either the same year or the following year of two days in the valley 
And I was like, hey, there's something going. There's something else going on with her, just other than her looks and everything. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this though: Do we get which Patton Oswalt? Do we get? Do we get like the new Mystery Science Theater Patton Oswalt, or do we get like big fan Patton Oswalt? Oh no, we get sarcastic, funny, acerbic Patton Oswalt. Okay, I like big fan Patton Oswalt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is because that's more acting and less comedy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's funny parts to that movie, but I don't know. I'd like to see him explore dramatic acting more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of Mystery Science Theater 3000, this is where it all began. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, access, local access television or whatever, which I don't think any of us have gotten, have been privy to watch those older 1987 yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, they played those for uh, like on a Saturday night or something like mm-hmm. that on local access television and then uh, got picked up miraculously. By the Comedy uh, Channel. By the Comedy Channel or Ha or both. Of, it was because was, Comedy Channel and Ha were both competing Comedy yeah. Channel. Didn't Tom Green start out the same way, like local access talk show? I think he might be right. He was in Canada. Got picked up. Yeah, but mm. he, I think he started. Do some show notes later and tell, tell me in an email in two days. If I'm right about that. <laughs> uh, I, the the impact of Mystery Science Theater cannot be uh, you know understated. Mm-hmm. It's not for us. Not for us for sure. And uh, but. Uh, you know, it's funny. Mystery Science Theater, as much as I liked it, I probably haven't seen half the episodes. No, oh, there's yeah. a million of yeah. them. Um, the, uh, I used to watch, the, the, my peak of watching it was in 1995, and a lot of their best episodes had already happened by that time, but they were playing them uh, on Comedy Central during that 1995 year, and I used to record them. And used to watch them when I could because I mean they are an hour and a half. Oh it's, yeah. a, it's, it's hard to watch. The greatest thing ever was their Turkey Day marathon. Because oh, because yeah. you on Thanksgiving I'd have we'd have Thanksgiving at our our house, so I would be able to like just escape my family, run into the living room, and watch you know a thirty minute block of this because mm-hmm. it's running continuously, and then you know go back in, maybe watch a little football, come back to this, and oh man, it's got the ability. To make me just roll like just peals of laughter where yeah. I can't I can't stop and it just keeps on going and going and going just yeah. the little things oh yeah yeah uh, just uh, fantastic stuff and um, what else can you say about a legendary <laughs> what else can you say that's right hey. uh, other movies that are on this list include Angus which I did see I don't remember much about it other than it was a kid named Angus and he's kind of heavy set mm-hmm. he falls in love with Ariana Richards mm-hmm. who's from Jurassic Park um oh and, i remember that he's a nerd he's like a you know picked on kid and everything and i don't remember if he ends up getting with ariana Richards. no he dies no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember it's, he it, gets hit in the, the heart with a hockey puck he does, and just dies. He does. i tell you what angus gets girls panties to come down better than any movie i've ever seen <laughs> Hey baby, let's watch this movie, let's Angus. Watch this watch movie. Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> now my pants are cheap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got that girl from Jurassic Park in it. Um oh it was kind of it was kind of weird to see Ariana Richards is because in Jurassic Park she's a tomboy and everything. And this they doll this her like up a year into later. Like a cheerleader or something yeah. like that or whatever. And I was like, I didn't even know it was the same girl there for a long time. But yeah, Angus, I remember it being okay. Mm. It was all right. Um best man down don't know don't know anything about that yeah. uh fooling around no i've never seen that mm, no, never seen it no, uh god's fooled. country uh louis mall movie no i've never seen it no. i think that's a documentary it's a it good u2 song mm-hmm. yep yep uh there's Sleep a movie called like a hey stop stabbing me <laughs> well, that sounds cool uh-huh it's a 
actual movie. Yeah, it's got an exclamation point at it the end. It does. It does. Well, it's like stop or my that. mom will shoot. <laughs> it's like top of the muffin to you. Uh, Joe Somebody, which I think is a Tim Allen movie. It's a Tim Allen movie. I never saw it, though. Oh, I did see this. You did? Joe Somebody? Yeah, it's basically like Fist Fight. Is it? It kind of is. <laughs> He's, He's like, like, uh, like a businessman or yeah, something, Yeah, and right? he has to like fight back against a bully. Um, are you sure it's not hey stop stabbing me (laughs) (laughs) well the plot may be similar there but no i I did see this Uh, yeah joe is beat up by a co-worker in front of his daughter on bring your child to work day he decides to fight back yeah same thing happens in jungle to jungle by the way (laughs) no yeah jungle to jungle (laughs) i'm i'm looking up this hey stop stabbing me because uh (laughs) i i just got the same thing to me uh yes exactly murder mayhem mowers Oh, nice. So it's a comedy. It's about, it's like, looks like it takes off a scream or something like that. Uh, Life Partners? No, I never saw nah. that. Yeah. New in Town, Renee Zellweger movie. Mm. I think I remember it coming out. I never saw it. Yep, me neither. Uh, Overnight Delivery. I did see this. This is, this is, by the way, what Road Trip is basically becomes. Road Trip. Hmm. Overnight Delivery is the same sort of deal. I don't know if he, I think he just, I think Paul Rudd just writes a letter, a breakup letter to Reese Witherspoon or something like that. Huh. Or it's vice versa. She writes a breakup letter to Paul Rudd. I can't remember which one it was. And she, he, he or she is trying to go ah. to stop it from happening. Whereas Road Trip, it's a sex tape. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so it's the exact same plot. Ah, I had never even heard of this movie. Uh, yeah. Somehow, some way, I saw this shit. Hmm. Uh, you have honorable mention from TV coach. I saw quite a few episodes of coach. I liked coach. Yeah. Craig T. Nelson. That's right. If, Jerry Van Dyke. If he's not known for the Incredibles or Poltergeist, he's known for this. Yep. That's okay. That's a pretty good career. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. It's three. Or being in the devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Devil's advocate. Sure. I remember coach being pretty funny though. Oh, it's really funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. You had the, uh, the, the Tom, uh, the big, uh, uh yeah, white haired dude. No, no, no. The big guy. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. He was in the stand that said M-O-O-N who, spells, Yeah, who later showed up in uh, How I Met Your Mother as Jason Siegel's dad. Oh, was that him? Yeah. Bill Fagerbakey or something like that. Lars Justerfenden. Yeah. Anyway, um, Coach was pretty fun. Yeah, Coach um, good. Uh, then there was Get a Life, which was the uh, Charlie ah, Kaufman. I uh, love this show. Charlie Kaufman wrote it, and he had Chris Elliott in it. And it didn't last long at all. It was a very strange. It's so Very funny. strange. Uh, there was an episode I remember where they, I think his head gets cut off, yeah. and they're kicking it <laughs> around like a soccer ball at the end. This <laughs> is as, as nutty as a Charlie Kaufman uh, <laughs> series with Chris Elliott can be. Yes. Uh, Little House on the Prairie. That's a legendary TV series. Yeah, you guys watched that, didn't you? Yeah. I did. My wife loves this show. Mm. I got kicked out of the front room yesterday for making fun of this show while she was watching. It's very virginal, isn't it? It's not exactly the first word I would use to describe it, but yes. I, mean, I mean, they had very, like, they pure, had like right? six kids. I was going to say, man, <laughs> they <laughs> definitely were doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I just hit it the right time, right? Because it's like... We had some kind of nostalgia for that colonial, you know, frontier mm-hmm. era. I don't know. I can't stand the shit now. <laughs> is it Laura Ingalls Wilder? Is that? Uh, yeah, man. she's the one that wrote it, that it was based on, and then the character Melissa Gilbert played was Laura. Ingalls yeah, Wilder. and then Michael Landon basically made a career out of these wholesome 
Like Little House on the Prairie lasted what seventy seasons. <laughs> when he was on Gunsmoke or Ponderosa, he was yeah. on one, another huge mm. show before this, right? And then Highway to Heaven after this, right? Highway to oh, Heaven yeah, was right, right after that. Yeah, I'll never forget when they I saw an advertisement for the premieres, and it was Highway to Heaven, and the next show after it was Helltown, <laughs> right? And I don't remember Helltown. <laughs> it obviously didn't last, but I remember th- I remember as a religious, <laughs> as a preacher's kid, going. Something seems off about this. <laughs> yeah, he was on Bonanza forever. Bonanza, Bonanza. Forever. And then Little House on the Prairie forever. And then uh, Highway to Heaven, which somehow lasted six seasons. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, then there is the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Yep. That's oh, another. Very Minnesota. A lot of uh, huge uh, TV hits coming out of this. Mm-hmm. And that's as, uh, as influential as it gets. There's oh, yeah. uh, there's that statue of her throwing her hat in, in Minneapolis. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. You're gonna make it after all. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, Laverne and Shirley, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that's. No, that's right. You're no, is that Mary Tyler Moore? Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. yeah, no, because Laverne and Shirley is uh, Samuel Shamazel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna do it. <laughs> we'll talk about them when we get to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yeah, baby. In yeah. Six I've been to and that a, uh, that factory. And about you know the the glove. Where did the glove go after they put it on the bottle? I don't know. Uh, who knows? They Somebody waved by to it. <laughs> Somebody drank it. Stan Lee did. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're gonna talk a little bit about an album. That yeah, it's Musica. A, it's it's we're not getting paid for this, right? We are we're we're we basically feel compelled. To talk about this album, though, mm-hmm. uh, the music that you hear at the beginning of these podcasts are, is comes courtesy of Larange. Yes, Larange. and um, he's coming out with another album with uh, with rapper Solemn Brigham mm-hmm. uh, called Marlo. Right, and he gave us a taste of this, <laughs> just the tip, and uh, we. <laughs> that's right. I got the whole thing. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I got the whole thing too. Oh yeah, we did get the. We eventually got the whole thing. <laughs> oh, you're so you're talking about something else. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, what, I I sat there and listened to this basically on repeat. Yeah. For a while there, mm-hmm. and just it's so it's so good. If you like this, the, you know what would we call what do we call Laurent's music? What do we call that? Laurent's music is old school mentality as far as like the samples that he uses a lot of like billy holiday era samples mm-hmm. that are that are layered with these atmospheric noises and these really just chill but but very kinetic beats and when you combine it with these incredibly talented rappers that he's done over the years uh including cool keith and people like that and now solemn brigham it just it turns into magic and them together these two the Marlowe album is just absolute the best of both worlds. You know, there's something I've always. OK, so I am not in the wheelhouse for this type of music. Mm-hmm. What, what I've listened to of Larange's is because I love Larange. Right. <laughs> right. Because basically the story is he reached out on Twitter casually saying, I wish I could do a theme song for their podcast. And I live in Nashville. And we were like, hey, let's do it back and forth. We've hung out a few times, had dinner uh, before he moved away to fucking Seattle like a mm-hmm. hipster. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> I hope you're enjoying your five times rent. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, I've enjoyed everything I've heard, mm-hmm. right? But this, there's a, there's, uh, there's like an angsty kind of 
energy here that there's that feels like it's bursting forth from almost every song and i'm i feel like i think i told him this privately on twitter i feel like this combination they've known each other apparently for years and years mm-hmm. been friends since childhood or something uh there's something about this combination that has brought out the best i've never heard any of solemn stuff before this but it's definitely brought out the best in what i've heard of larange's work mm-hmm. and this guy raps with an urgency yeah. mm-hmm. that you can't fake yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's almost like he doesn't take a breath. It's he has to get it out. Yeah, that's that urgency that you're talking about. And it's like he's gone like a minute and a half without stopping, without like you know giving a yo or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. out there, man. Mm-hmm. So great. Yeah, and uh, I think all three of us sort of independently came up with our favorite track. On this. <laughs> yeah. Called yeah. Mayday. Yeah. Oh, my oh God. it's so great. And mm. and did he say something about like? people didn't like that track when they before they released the album or something some people did not because it's not this is something that i've never heard laurence do before yeah it's it's definitely more upbeat it's more in your face it's more aggressive but not in like a like a limp biscuit type of way or anything (laughs) like that it's just like it's it's great i think all of us described it as kinetic uh it's it's that kind of thing it just grabs hold of you and like shakes you for two and a half minutes or however long it is yeah yeah, uh, just an enjoyable listening experience. I guess if shorthand, and he, and Lorange may not like this, but uh, shorthand, run the jewels type type music is what this is. Run the jewels, gorillas a little bit, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, um, and uh, and this was this is probably gorilla jewels. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> run the gorillas. <laughs> um, and this is and this is probably one of my if not my favorite album that i've heard of his it's one up yeah it's up there yeah and i've got a lot of his stuff on vinyl yeah here, yeah so. we all do and it's available today as you hear this it was released uh, july 13th last friday go pick it up go get it on vinyl if you can the vinyl Download looks amazing it. oh like, yeah he, oh yeah he takes great pride in having awesome looking vinyls mm-hmm. but man this one seems like especially groovy yeah mm-hmm. so yeah. go to larangeproductions.com figure out a way to get it and you won't be disappointed i promise yeah support our boy <laughs> he's got high rent in he's Seattle. my special little boy <laughs> you can do it you my boy larange <laughs> i like how we're acting like because like in this world of like producers of music like He's fairly well respected oh, yeah. from what I can understand, if not revered by most of the people in this industry. But we're acting like we we pulled him up like out <laughs> of some right. gutter and made a name for him or that, something. That is absolutely He's true. already worked with Cool Keith before we ever even met this dude. So anyway, it, go get it. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to go to our uh, warns and rants and shit. I think we have some time for that shit. All right. You want to do rants? Let's do it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Who wants to rant? Why don't you start a rant? All right, listen. All right, look. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Collaborate and listen. Yes. Uh, This is an off-movie, off-topic rant. Uh, Can be short and sweet. I don't don't care about soccer. I don't care about football. I don't care about World Cup. I don't care about everybody's opinion on Harry Kane or whoever the fuck it is or Ronaldo Mm -hmm. or Messi or whatever. Get out of my life with this World Cup bullshit. Is it almost over? It's almost over, right? Well, there's you got only the one final more, game. One more game. Final game's coming up. I, I, God. Croatia versus France, Barrett. Everybody that, predicted that. I have watched one minute of soccer, 
And that one minute was of uh, Neymar rolling over and over and over and oh, over yeah, again yeah, 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 yeah. and faking an injury and all that bullshit. And that's all I need to see of international soccer to increase my disdain for it. The 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 thing about now, obviously, that is way over the top and everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you talk to uh, soccer loving people like our friend Mike, mm-hmm. who played soccer forever and everything like that. And he says the unfortunate thing about soccer is if you get fouled, and you don't do that, then you won't get the call. Then fucking just suck it up and just deal with it. LeBron gets fouled every time he fucking drives to the lane. Doesn't get called every time. Yeah, but you you want to get at least one out of all those times you do it. I understand the like, logic. I'm not telling you to like soccer because no. of it. I'm just saying that's the reason why they did it. I saw something on Facebook. It was very false equivalent. Uh, of course, anything that you see is false equivalent. Uh, they were talking about like, uh, they showed this uh, soccer player writhing in agony and everything. It's like barely gets kicked in the shin, rides on the ground for hours or whatever. And then they showed some guy on a bike in the tour de France that like apparently got smashed in the face. He's like, he's like barely, barely alive. Uh, still, still chugging up the mountains and everything. It's like, yeah, but. They're not trying to get a foul, (laughs) you know, like the soccer player is and everything. You know, there's a reason why they do this bullshit. That's the reason why they've allowed it to continue is that is this because of that. We were we had it on at the family reunion I went to. And uh, there are some times at a family reunion where there's literally nothing better to do than turn and watch a few minutes of a soccer game. Sure. And so we were sitting there watching and uh, most of my cousins were paying more attention. But my wife and I were kind of in the back watching. I think it was this exact thing of. Neymar rolling around on the ground. Whoever legitimately got stepped on his ankle, but then acted like he was yes. in the middle of an exorcism. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> and my wife was like, "That looks painful." And I said, "He's probably faking it." And she said, "What?" And I was like, "In soccer, like in a lot of sports, uh, sometimes players will fake being in agonizing pain after contact in an attempt to get the other team, you know, a foul called on them." And and it just so happened in whatever moment we were watching, they got some kind of free kick or penalty shot after this moment. And I was like, to get that right there so they have a chance to score. She was like, why don't they have a rule against that? And I said, because it's not a real sport like hockey. No shit, man, where you get fucking penalty minutes if you embellish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they've had it for a while. They've yeah. called it diving. They've called it embellishment. But, I mean, this happens in the NBA, too. Mm-hmm. And, and and I do believe there is a certain amount of that, mm-hmm. what Mike is saying, that if that fouls were, that aren't embellished, don't get the ref's attention, but it's only because we have embellished for 30 or 40 or 80 or 100 years that that is the case, that the refs are no longer looking for actual fouls. They're looking for peripheral, you know, flagrant mm-hmm. embellishment things. It, I think it kind of lessens the fun of the sport mm-hmm. to me to see grown men. It was fun watching from my wife's perspective, who's like, this is how children play. Yeah. Like, this is how kindergartners would play. Oh, he hurt me, daddy. <laughs> That's what it's gotten to, right? Like, even when there's a legitimate foul, you're like, oh, come on. Yeah. That's, uh, skeptical <laughs> of all of it. Yeah. yeah. Is, he, he didn't, that wasn't anything. Come on. Like, he just barely stuck his toe out there. Then they show it in slow motion. You realize that the guy not only, like, maliciously put his foot out there, but he also has an axe. Yeah, no, there's a sword. testicle on his way by. There's legitimate, like, pains that these guys are, are going through because they're going at full mm-hmm. tilt and everything. So, anyway, I just... Uh, it's not me. I'm sorry to all the non-American or American soccer fans that are are like really annoyed at me right now, but I can't take it. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. I mean, I think I think America does not have as a culture quite enough patience to be soccer fans. Um 
because I think I think there's a beauty to it that we don't we don't have the, the temperance right. for maybe yep. temperament for temperance. That's a woman's name. <laughs> I think it's temperament. Temperament, but mm-hmm. first I said temperance, which I think is not mm. a word, or I think it's just a name. Uh, anyway, you saw yesterday my three tweets about soccer. Like I, I, I jokingly said I got as much sass on my soccer tweet as I did about any sins video I've ever done because I did. Because I, I was legitimately, oh, the World Cup. Okay, I flip over and it's Croatia, England, and I'm watching and I can see the scoreboard. England is up one to nothing. One team is in black. One team is in white. And I'm watching. Oh, yeah. And I don't know which. The black team has red socks. I know red is an England color, but the white team has red on the part of their white uniform. And I know and I don't know what Croatia's colors are. <laughs> so I, I legitimately tweeted out. I've been watching this game for 15 minutes. I have no idea. Same, same <laughs> here. I flipped over to it in about the second half. It was one to one. And one of the sides was attacking. And I was like. Oh, I don't know who that is. I guess I guess I hope somebody scores so that I can see where the score goes. Yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I was waiting for. Or, or like they'll show close enough of a guy's back so you can see the name. And if you see a lot of K's and V's and stuff like that, yeah. it's Croatia. Yeah. Um, but everything uh, ends in C. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Fuck soccer. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't have to like everything. No. Like no. I got a lot of heat for calling it soccer instead of football. Apparently. Guess what? Look. I could go on a whole rant about that, by the way. Yeah. By the way, we can't call it football here, guys. No, no. We can't just say football. We also didn't invent that term. Yeah. England did. And also, as I replied to this one guy, I was like, hey, sometimes people in other countries use different words for things. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy, right? (laughs) We can't just, in in America, we cannot casually just say football. No. Because somebody's got to ask you, most of the time you're going to just say, oh, you're talking about the NFL. Yeah. Or college football or whatever. Or Canadian football. Or Canadian football, yeah. <laughs> well before they get to soccer. Agreed. And well, our professional league is called Major League Soccer. Yeah. Fuck off, people who <laughs> don't want to let me call it soccer. It's like, it's like uh, you know, there there's purists and then there's like, come on. There's some, there's some things that get fucked up in this world that we don't have any control over, and that's one of them. Yep. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of call it football. And you like, also don't have any control over ever seeing a Snyder cut. Yes. The truth. It's very true. <laughs> no matter how much control you think you have. I, I, I don't have a movie rant either. Mm-hmm. I think I think after you've been gone for a while, certain other things start pissing you off because I didn't you know, I didn't go see movies while I was out in Vegas or anything. One thing is becomes very clear though when you go on vacation. When you are walking down any kind of hallway with lots of people, mm. inevitably at least ten of those people are going to piss you off. Mm start with the airport you're walking down with your bags and everything what happens every fucking time someone stops yeah. in the middle yeah and looks at their phone or whatever and just just stops instead stops of stops dead instead too. of just taking a little right and going off into a little alcove someplace to yeah. look at your phone they stop in the middle where everybody's walking <laughs> then you have I mean, yeah, you can't control kids, but kids are always jumping in front mm-hmm. of you and stuff. They do this shit all the time that drives me insane where the kid will run in front of you and stop and then you'll try to pass them and then they'll keep running right after that. And then you'll, you're like, can I just get around this? No, they keep going in front of you. There's people who walk in this sort of weird diagonal way where if you can't, you can't get past them because they keep edging you off yeah, every yeah. time. Yep. Um, and then the same thing happened when I was actually in Vegas and in the Rio. This is the dumbest thing ever. They, uh, they, uh, there's a thousand, there's thousands of people playing on that first day, uh, the main event. 
there's there were four thousand the day that I came in. Jesus on July fourth. Uh, so everybody's got the same levels that end at the same time. So the, all the breaks happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that means once the breaks happen, like, I don't know why, if you have three different flights on three different days, why can't you stagger the amount of people? Like, why can't you have an hour of oh, difference between it's probably like trying to go to the bathroom at halftime watch look at watch a bathroom line there, there's people who have no hope of getting into that bathroom oh, and they're standing in the line and uh and i and i did not i would hold it Jesus. um until the not hour me. i'd just pee right there at the table yeah until the uh like the hour break came up and that's when everybody goes off and eats their food and then you can just go into the bathroom no problem mm. um but like the they so like a break happens four thousand people all go in the hallway and you have that same bullshit you have people getting on their phone you have you have a crowd of people deciding to have their conversation in the middle of the hallway <laughs> can you not take your conversation somewhere else outside maybe i know it's 105 degrees outside <laughs> but you're you're just you're just fucking obstacles in the middle of the hallway and everybody's got to go their ways to around you and so you got people coming to the right you have people coming to the left you have people coming down one side where the traffic's going the other way mm-hmm. right in the grain of that traffic and everything like if you're gonna have to if you want to do something that requires stopping at any moment go find some other fucking place to do it <laughs> i agree there you go i agree what are kind think? of torn yeah they're gonna make another goddamn robocop movie yep so who is doing neil it? blomkamp neil blomkamp who has made direct uh district nine and what one other that uh chappy 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 <laughs> and it, is that the only other thing he's made i know and for a while he had an alien movie in development that's gone away i feel like he's got oh yeah movie. he made the elysium yeah elysium yeah uh which is way better than chappy yeah uh, nowhere near as good as district nine and I, I keep seeing a lot of people on these article comments or on twitter being like this is right in his wheelhouse robocop neil blancamp i can see this working and i'm like you motherfuckers yep there was a RoboCop four years ago. Mm-hmm. This is worse than when they rebooted Spider-Man. Yeah. Then that was what, seven years? And we all scoffed at that? Yeah. They made a RoboCop movie. They fucking had their chance. I don't care how good this is. Make <laughs> another half-human, half-robot story. That other, that RoboCop movie from 2014 just came and went. Like, nobody even noticed Are it, we, right? Okay, so I have this new theory. I'm, I'm very angry about this. <laughs> and I also saw a picture on Twitter of half the West Wing cast and Aaron Sorkin in a booth at a restaurant, and somebody somebody tweeted, uh, talk and reboot or whatever. Uh, I wanted to scream no. Yeah. But I have this theory. You tell me if I'm crazy. I am definitely get-off-your-lawn type area here. What if, what if the Utes... The kids, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not watching television and movies the way they used to. Mm-hmm. Maybe demographically, there's some statistics that we're seeing. And the reason we're, we keep getting served these reboots of things from 20 years ago is because only people our age and older are really watching anymore. And the, the Utes are spread out so much more between Twitch and YouTube and Instagram and Netflix shows and the one that does all the anime shows that's like Netflix, mm. that they're too segmented enough for a CBS or an NBC to do anything except try and appeal to the people who love the West Wing. No, the I agree. People who love Full House. And it has to be. There has to be that sort of consi- right? consideration. Because yeah. they're not, you, Hollywood, you're not going to be able to do this again in 20 years because you have not created enough new things in this era 
to reboot later. That's true. I, I can't imagine like a 15, 16 year old boy that's like, man, I can't wait for that RoboCop. Right. Reboot. And we're going to die eventually. <laughs> yeah. Our whole generation is going to die and you're not going to move the needle with a new RoboCop. Right. And so I wonder if part of it is like strategic because for a while there, I thought it was just like laziness, right? We own this property. Let's make some money off of it. Let's make let's make another Ninja Turtles movie. Why not? Mm. Which I think they're going to do another one of those too. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but I think, and then I thought for a while it was like an aggressive anti creativity stance, like the, the, the devil, the Antichrist had taken over Hollywood, and wanted to stamp out all originality. And now I think maybe it's just a savvy business decision, uh, and they know who they're playing to, and then the generations behind us are all over the place, and they're probably not going to any of this shit. They're probably making another RoboCop movie for people me and older. Possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I think it's probably that probably does factor in somewhat. I, I think, though, what you were saying earlier, though, that just the idea that we have this property, it's got mm-hmm. a known name to it and everything. Eh, it failed last time we tried. Let's try another way and see if that takes off, because uh, they're going to keep remaking something until it hits. Right. Seems like it. So if this RoboCop doesn't do well, they'll wait another four years. Yeah. Do another RoboCop. Yeah. And eventually somebody gets it, quote unquote, right. That wasn't Paul Verhoeven, apparently, in 1988. It uh, worked for Spider-Man. It worked twice for Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the 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 Raimi stuff was essentially a reboot. And then, you know, the, the Garfield stuff, I'm sure, did well, but not as well as those original uh, Spider-Mans. And, you know. But get, I don't uh, think there's any reason to believe Holland Spider-Man does as well as it does without the MCU tie-in. No, and I, I think that factored into it. They were like, well, this is a perfect time to reboot yeah. it because Sony's going to let us do this yeah. and we can link it up with the MCU. It's it's gold, Jerry, gold. It's just I saw a headline yesterday. Paul Reiser now says the Mad About You reunion might not happen. Oh. I was just like, fucking awesome. No. The more headlines I can read about them not happening, the better. <laughs> by, the, by the way, uh, another... Uh, good topic to discuss is do we think spider-man into the spider-verse is going to do anything oh i don't think it's gonna make a lot of money i don't think so either but i think it's it's gonna be awesome lord miller are like producers on this yeah i think it's gonna be good it looks good um the it was an interesting it was a question uh posed to me on facebook because apparently and we haven't we're, we'll eventually do this we'll do a, a, a fall winter preview or mm-hmm. whatever but apparently at this moment in time there are they're like december 15th through the end of the year is just stacked with just like incredible none of them are like are like uh home runs either like there could be home runs but like you have aquaman in there yeah you know that mm-hmm. that could be okay it's it's on that it's on that release date that's been that killed that killed for Avatar and Star Wars and all that, um, but you have this Spider Man of the Spider Verse thing, and I just feel like superhero movies that are cartoons have never done well. Even like something really good like Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, which I think did decent. Yeah, it wasn't huge by no. any means. I think yeah, and I would only qualify that by saying like known comics superheroes because the, like, yeah. the Incredibles is obviously not part of what the discussion we're having right, right now but the dc and marvel animated films have never been big draws and i think this is an attempt by sony to make an event film yeah i, I don't think the spider-man i don't problem. think they've ever thrown as much money or as much effort into it mask of the phantasm maybe but like you know those 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 animated superhero films definitely don't have the look definitely don't have you know the 
the marketing behind it like into the spider-verse yeah does. no i mean it's got a great trailer the animation is unique and it pops and uh got a lot of great vo- voice talent but you're right i'm until proven otherwise i'm skeptical because because mm-hmm. i do think batman mask of the phantasm maybe killing joke was probably like the, the highest like theatrical run like draw but mm. none of them have been noteworthy yeah they, they make most of their audience uh, on home video uh batman mass of the phantasm by the way made five million yeah that's it <laughs> yeah i was one of the few people that saw that in theaters yeah i did too let's go into our recommendations and warns. okay totes amaze balls there great it won the academy award oh for what for best movie ever made i got a weird wreck of warn okay all right so we've talked about this will ferrell amy poehler movie the house before mm-hmm. ah yes um chris and i were initially kind of intrigued by it when mm-hmm. we saw the trailer yep uh it got terrible reviews especially because of the jason manzoukas the way they ended exactly. that trailer yeah, yeah. so good uh and then chris saw it uh you were very disappointed yep. in it. he said it was not very good at all jeremy have you seen it yet um no all right so I turned this thing on, ready to hate watch, just because I wanted oh, something Oh, the house? Like, yeah, the house. Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, no, um, I, I laughed a lot during this movie. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I was not expecting to. It is not a good movie, but it hit me. And whatever, my wife watched it with me. She thought it was funny, too. Uh, we were both we were like, oh, this has got terrible reviews. It's going to be awful and everything. But it's got just enough of an edge to it because it is R-rated and, like, you know... Amy Poehler and Jason Manzukis and Will Ferrell had just got a little bit of the governor off a terrific cameo in this that I'll, I'll leave unsaid. I enjoyed it and it's not good, but I enjoyed it That's more than I thought it was. I, allow that here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the thing that I thought they could have mined a lot more comedy out of is I think it would have been nice to see Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler become more like, uh huge casino moguls they do briefly but it's never to the point of like just beyond that's true when she just starts randomly getting high it's just fucking hilarious man she's like oh where's weed been all my life when i saw the when i saw the trailer for it and i saw that one shot of will ferrell in the rose (laughs) rose sunglasses and everything and all that i was like oh he's gonna make a complete character transformation (laughs) and he doesn't really he's always still like the goofy father guy but there's that one scene where it looks like he's finally gotten to that but yeah uh i can see where you're coming from there's some people who i know who like it if you have zero expectations for that movie you may enjoy it man because there's definitely laughs in there they may be few and far in between for you but man Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was good. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pile on with everybody else and say, go see Won't You Be My Neighbor. Oh. Yeah. I uh, saw this when I got back, uh, the Mr. Rogers documentary. Um, it is an interesting, like uh, the, one of the one of the women who worked on the show uh, said, you know, like we used to say that, uh, you, you know, you would take all the things that work on television and uh and and our show was completely opposite of that or whatever Hmm. like it was just like a you know no money whatsoever the budget was very low and everything there's something just i you know maybe just missing from today's world like when you watch won't you be my neighbor and you remember what you what you were like when you were a kid watching mr rogers neighborhood and all that Hmm. There is something missing there. Like, there's a sense of, uh, 
like uh, maybe learning on ha- learning how to be kind, be kind to each other. And when you watch it, there's I, I, I I'm now 41 and bitter and hardened and all that. So like when I watch anything, Mr. Rogers, I'm like, man, you don't, you know, this is this is just not how life is. People are people are disgusting and horrible and all that. Maybe it wasn't always like that. Mm. Did uh, you used to watch the show? When uh, you were a kid? I did, but as a kid watching TV shows, I liked watching the intros more than I liked watching the shows hmm. a lot of times. That's why I would stay up just late enough to watch the beginning of Fantasy Island. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I had to he- see the plane to plane yeah, and all yeah. that. I would watch the Love Boat intro uh-huh. and all that type of stuff. Those are what I remember most about those types of shows. Mr. Rogers, I did watch. I didn't. I wasn't. I, I didn't watch it as much as I watched Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Me neither. Um, but uh, but there there is something. There's something from a different era in there, and you. That's maybe what's scariest of all is on this documentary, and I don't think they're trying to scare you in any way. But when you watch it, you're like, man. I can't even imagine people being drawn to this anymore. But it was for it was for small children. That's where you that's where you get them in the beginning and yeah. say, "Hey, you know what? This is uh, how I, I should act towards others. I shouldn't shouldn't uh, judge people by anything." And it, was, it shows early on how like Mister Rogers would show, you know, uh, be kind to your black neighbor or your whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like it's like a there's like scenes where he's like. Uh, I'm just bathing my feet in the pool, and his and his, like his his friend would come along, his black friend, his policeman or whatever, and he's like, "Hey, I noticed you're bathing your feet in the pool," and he's like, "Would you like to come join me?" <laughs> you know that type of thing. You know that we don't really we don't really see that yeah. anymore. We don't see that like that early two, three year old, four year old type of like getting to them. Then that you know maybe we should consider other people and be kind and all other type of stuff. That's what what really is sort of, I guess, important about this documentary when you watch it. Um, because you sort of realize we've changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And this is, is one of the most buzzed about documentaries in a long time. Yeah. And I would, I would hesitate to say that this, Oh my God, this documentary is just mind blowing because it's, I mean, it's, it, it just, it tells you very straightforward. There's some surprising things about it. Uh, like you, I didn't realize certain things that happened or whatever, but, and it's not that type of documentary. It's not like, uh, you know, some of those just, it's not like paradise lost where you're learning about the, <laughs> the West Memphis three. Mr. Rogers was actually a CIA agent. Right, right, right. Which is one thing that they discuss in there, that, uh, myth that he's a <laughs> Navy seal and he killed guys and all that. <laughs> um, but, uh, it is, it is, sort of uh i don't know you you'll you'll be introspective when you watch Hmm. i'm curious because it because it is getting a lot of buzz and i think that it's probably going to tick up its box office and probably awards consideration they're still going full steam ahead with this tom hanks mr rogers yeah yeah and i was watching this documentary going i did i forgot about that i was watching this documentary going they're probably going to make a movie about this and it's and we're gonna have to compare it to the documentary i mean it's like it's like man on wire wire yeah you know, I mean, why why would you need that? Yeah, you have the actual Philippe. Petit- I wonder if we're not sort of if it's not going to ultimately be undercut by the documentary having done the job well mm-hmm. enough on its own. I'll be curious to see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got a record warrant for you. Mm-hmm. You ever see this movie called Brigsby Bear? Uh, is this uh, who who did this? Some guy. He, oh, he knows a lot of Lonely Island people. And uh, Dave McCary. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, Greg Kinnear's in this. 
Oh, Kyle Mooney wrote the screenplay or did the story. Yeah. The guy from SNL. Saturday Night Live guy. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the premise, this is, um, the movie plays very much like um, wholesome, quirky, fish-out-of-water comedy. Mm-hmm. Like a really wholesome, clean Encino man, kind of. That's the vibe. Hmm. But the details of the story are dark as fuck. <laughs> this kid was kidnapped as a baby from his real parents and raised in a bomb shelter by Mark Hamill and his wife as their own child. Never had any outside contact. The only form of media he was ever allowed to consume was a television show for children called Brigsby Bear hmm. that Mark Hamill and his wife were making themselves <laughs> and doing all the voices for. And it's a, it's very much a, a Barney the Dinosaur style show. Mm. Uh, but the movie picks up with him being discovered, his parents, Mark Hamill, fake parents, being arrested, and him being reunited as a grown adult with his real birth parents, and they have a daughter. And for a while, he can't even make sense of, uh, Greg Kinnear's like the cop that like finds him and interviews him. He can't even make sense of the fact that his reality growing up is not the same as reality for everybody else. But even once he does, he still talks about Brigsby Bear like a real thing, like a real person. Hmm. And he decides, he goes to therapy, uh, the family tries for a while. I think it's Richard Jenkins might be in this. Somebody else famous is his, is his birth dad. And they're like trying to, no, it's the guy from Veep. Matt Walsh? Yeah, Matt, Matt Walsh. Walsh. Um, <clears throat> They're trying to keep the Brigsby stuff away from him so he can break from that. But he keeps talking about it to his therapist. And then he, he, he sneaks out. Of, they put him in some kind of home and he sneaks out. And he, he wants to make a movie to finish the story of Brigsby Bear. And he meets a couple of oddball friends and gets his sister involved. And finally, his parents come around and realize embracing the Brigsby thing is what's best for him. So it's like a 34-year-old man constantly saying things like, uh, we have to do the scene where we go to the fantasy rainbow land. And meaning it earnestly. Hmm. But all the while under this, I think I wrote in my notes, I'm not sure if this movie is fucked up or good <laughs> because there's this undertone of this kid was poisoned yeah. by mm -hmm. these people. And the they're one of the last scenes in the movie, he, he goes to prison to visit Mark Hamill, the man that abducted him, because he needs he wants the most accurate voices for his movie. Uh -huh. And he brought a tape recorder and Mark Hamill agrees to, to give him the Brigsby voices to make his movie like. I was really unsettled watching this, and I can't help but feel like that was the point. Yeah. And as I try and figure out what the point might be, for me, and I don't think the movie is speaking for Jeremy, but for me, I go back to, well, what things in my childhood was I told that as I grew up, I had to decide, are those just what my parents told me, or are those real things? And religion is a big, huge part of that. Mm -hmm. Um and this is an extreme example of somebody who's closed off from all of society, but all parents do that to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. right? I just think there's a, there's meat here, but I'm also not sure I can say it's great to where I could just give it a full recommend. Mm -hmm. And it made me uncomfortable as much as it made me chuckle, which is why it's a wreck of warn. Yeah. And it's literally another one of those movies. I've never heard of this. Oh, it's got a bunch of famous people in it. I like, I'll watch Claire Danes. This. Yeah. I was about to say Claire Danes <laughs> is in this. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Give it a watch, maybe. Mm -hmm. Where did you Where did you see this? Was this on Netflix? Uh, Stars, Stars or Showtime, something mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Yeah, I got to check that. I had, out. I'd heard of it before. I didn't realize it had gotten sort of a cult following to it. Uh, it's got seven point four on the IMDb. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's mm -hmm. interesting. Um, yeah, I want to 
think more about it and read more about it and see because I th- I feel like it has a lot more to say than at first glance you might think because mm. at first glance it just kind of seems like well he's crazy because he thinks this childhood show was real uh, but there's a lot going on there. yeah yeah all right uh, I'll go ahead and warn even though this is uh, uh, not timely I had watched it and uh, and then we didn't have a chance to do any kind of like uh, mini pod or anything for it but uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom mm. is a slog. There's a there. I don't bring cinema sins in with me when I watch movies, sure. but I know a 20 minute video when I see one. <laughs> 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 and that's definitely going to be one. Uh, I didn't find that movie fun whatsoever. Yeah. Like there's one scene and you saw it in the trailer when he's like going in to, to get the blood from the T-Rex. Yeah. And he has to jump, and the T Rex wakes up, and all. that's only like scene I thought was was decently worthwhile. And hmm. everything else was slog, just a slogville. Like take all those bad parts of Lost World, and then just amp them up to ten. And then it made a bunch of money. I was right? say it's it consistently. Did. This is what I've heard from friends, critics, strangers on Twitter. The the buzz has been all this, mm-hmm. and it made a billion dollars in like a week and a half. Yeah. And so I I was talking to Simser. I was like, man, this movie has now it's reached that rare air of the fan, Fast and Furious and Transformers movies where quality doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Universal can crank out probably four or five more Jurassic movies and have them all be on a quality level as bad or worse than this and they're all going to make a shit ton of money and universal's not going to care they don't care at all man like everybody even the trailers they're just like this this looks terrible this looks awful and they just went whole hog and said you know what i bet we're going to make i have another friend that said i'm going to get high and go watch this movie and afterwards i asked him how he liked it and he said well glad i got high yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know this i thought i thought it would have been a lot better too had they just stayed on the island there's this volcano that they keep talking about all the way through it the beginning parts of this where they get on the island and everything like oh shit that volcano is uh something to worry about and like of course yeah it does it does erupt at some point but then they get off the island it's never a looming hmm. thing that could prevent them from doing any of the other stuff that they're oh, gonna do like it feels like it should just always be on this island of course you know they go to fucking america and all this other bullshit they i mean it's just you know like, like neil like, diamond's like, dinosaurs yeah like in lost <laughs> like in lost world they did that at the very end and uh in this one they're like let's just go ahead and take it to america now you know and like make half a movie here and half a movie there it's just uh, uh it's just uh where are they in america they go to some sort of actually they go to some sort of mansion they go to a mansion maybe the mansion wasn't on i think it was in the states though hmm. uh and uh and they go to this mansion and 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 very much like uh taken style they're selling the dinosaurs off to these other countries <laughs> taken style and and like <laughs> uh <laughs> put them in little cocktail dresses yeah exactly oh my up. god that movie would be awesome if that was the case <laughs> they're they're all like wearing these like lingerie and shit oh my god that'd be awesome um but like i never understood this that they're selling them because oh what a weapon we'll have as terrorists or Mm. or as some whatever with these t-rexes and shit like that and it's like i mean maybe (laughs) it wants to get shot it's no longer a t-rex It's not invincible, you know. I, I don't. I don't understand. Why are people paying millions of dollars for this? Yeah. 
You know, that's the whole plot of this movie. Oh, oh Jesus. So. Sounds yeah, awful. Doesn't sound good. I actually, uh, I only had a wreck of warn and a recommend. All right. So, uh, and, and actually, I think my wreck of warn is a better overall movie than either of my recommends. But mm. I had such a good time that I wanted to recommend them. Now, I have never seen Love Actually. Mm-hmm. I think I've gone on record as saying I hope I never do see it, and I'm going to try my best to never. <laughs> Which see is it. so weird. It it's is very it's weird. A good movie because uh, okay. So the first movie I want to talk about is a movie called About Time. I mentioned it briefly because um, my brother had brought it up to me when he was visiting, and I had confused it with The Time Traveler's Wife <laughs> because Rachel McAdams is in both, mm-hmm. and then, of course, there's a, ultimately like there's four or five movies where she's dating or married to a, somebody traveling through time, which is fascinating. It has mm-hmm. to be on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I watched it. Next time I saw it on TV after my brother had left, and I enjoyed it, and I bawled my eyes out at the end. Mm. Um, and uh, it came on again a week and a half ago, and I watched it again, and I really like it. So I looked it up online, and it's got like the most average review scores you could put. It's probably like a 6.4 on IMDb or on Tomatoes or something. About time? Yeah. About time has a like 7.8. Oh, that's good. Believe wow. it or not. Okay. I, I didn't think it was, I didn't realize it was that good. Okay. Well, good. Well, it's Don- Donald Gleason is the main character here. Mm-hmm. And Bill Nye is his dad. And his dad tells him the men in our generation can travel through time. You have to be by yourself, go into a closet, shut the door, think of where you want to go back to, and you can go back in time and change something and make your life better. So Donald Gleason starts using that because he finds out, I think, right, right after he met. Rachel McAdams. And so he starts using it to try and go back and meet her better or meet her cuter and keeps fucking it up. Um, And he ends up having to go back to before they ever met to try and meet her in an art gallery that he finds out she's going to be at. Fucks that up a few different times. Um, But basically does finally meet her. They fall in love. Um, They get married. They have kids. Um, And uh, his sister gets in a wreck. And so he goes back in time to prevent the wreck and and she didn't die in the wreck but she's like an alcoholic or something he goes back over and over and over trying to prevent this and finally does by going back far enough to before she ever met this dude but when he comes back his kid has changed from a little girl into a little boy Hmm. because he can't go back past his dad explains to him you can't go back past the birth of your own kid because it's that actual sperm that creates that child and Mm. even a half second later a different sperm would create that child or what have you so he goes back and undoes the thing he undid to get his real kid back but now his sister's an alcoholic who in a car wreck and he's got to try and get her over this in a better way uh just interesting interesting shit um wholesome makes me feel good bill Mm. nye steals the movie as the dad everyone in the world wishes they had Mm. um and there's this moment near the end where he's he's dead um He's died, uh, and and uh, that's not a spoiler. Really. He's and, died! Uh, <laughs> and Donald Gleason goes back. He keeps going back to this one ping pong game with his dad, and they have conversations, and they have conversations about time travel and how many times have we had this conversation, and it's fascinating stuff. Um, <clears throat> anyway, moves me to tears because basically there comes a point where he and Rachel McAdams <laughs> decide to have one more kid, uh-huh. but the dad had died prior to that kid's birth, so if they have that kid, Donald Gleason can't go back and visit his dad anymore. Oh. So this is essentially like saying I'm done visiting my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really cool, interesting premise that ends up feeling like a lot of the Love Actually movies I have seen, like about a boy and some of these others. And I watch this movie going, oh, God, I might like Love Actually because I Google in the director mm-hmm. and it's the guy who made Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, the next day, I'm flipping channels and there's a movie called Pirate Radio on. Yeah. Never heard of it. 
directed by the same guy. Mm-hmm. And Bill Nye's in it, and Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. Yeah, and that's it's right. And it's set in like the 60s, I think, where yeah. they were, it was based on a true story, literally on this boat out in the middle of the English Channel or whatever, broadcasting a pirate radio system, you know, stream that the government wanted to shut down. All the rock and roll, all the F-bombs, all the mm. stuff you couldn't do on state-mandated radio. Nowhere near as good to me as About Time, but still totally fun watch. Uh, with great actors chewing up, you know, extreme eccentric characters. Um, there's even, uh, oh, what's the guy from Fargo, Shemi's partner? Oh, it's Peter not Stormare. It's not that guy. It's actually Rice Evans, um, who <laughs> I always confuse with Stormare, even though they don't look alike at all. Um, <laughs> anyway, so as a, as a twofer, I, I basically have watched half this guy's filmography now. He's only directed like five or six movies total. Um, and I really, really enjoyed them. And I'm afraid that I might like Love Actually if I ever watched it. <laughs> hey, you gotta watch um, it, man. But uh, mostly impressed by Donald Gleason in About Time and Bill Nye in both movies. Because uh, I think Bill Nye was one of these guys that, sadly, was largely introduced to me through the Pirates of the Caribbean sequel. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I was like, oh, because, you know, you'll read an article and like, oh, this guy's super respected in British theater or films or what have you. But I, he wasn't really on my radar. But now, of course, every time I see him, I know who he is. And uh, anyway, so those two together, I recommend. I don't think they're great. I think about time is probably a B plus, And mm-hmm. I think uh, Pirate Radio is a B minus maybe. Hmm. Um, but I had such a good time with both of them. Kind of makes me wish this guy had made more movies, especially more movies that weren't Love Actually that I've already pledged not to watch. Yeah, there's so. a... There's a part in Love Actually where Bill Nye, like they, he's a like a rock star or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, and they they're like, oh, who was the best you ever had? And he's like, Britney Spears. <laughs> and uh, and they're like, they're like, really? He's like, no, she was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking great, man. I'm telling you, that's a good movie. I'll watch it eventually. I'm sure eventually, uh, I've got to recommend not a uh, movie. Uh, but Glow season two. Ah, uh, need to get on that. It is. Uh, it's on Netflix now. Did you watch season one? I saw season one. Damn, this this show is so good. Uh, the second season. So I mean, the first season is is kind of doing an Orange is the New Black type of thing, where they're focusing on after they establish the main characters, they focus on the the side characters mm-hmm. and give them actual stories, which is still revolutionary to me. That they're they're really fleshing out this whole cast. Yeah. And um, the second season is less of that, like more less character introduction because we've already gotten that, and more just this wonderful portrait of imperfection, where nobody does the right thing, and even if they do the right thing, it may not be for the right reason. Like no character is irredeemable in this series, even if they do like awful shit. It's it's a really amazing uh, parlor trick almost how mm-hmm. they pull this off to where almost like with wrestling like there's a there's a heel there's somebody that that you hate that you have to hate and the show itself though gives you context to these characters so much to where you like I hate what that person did but I can't hate that character or I love what that person did but I can't love that character mm-hmm. huh. and it's exemplified in the Mark Marin character and the Allison Brie characters and the woman that plays uh, Liberty Bell. I forget her name. Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin, yeah. God damn. This show is is full of nuance. Yeah, a lot of that. All right. Um, <laughs> this show is full of nuance, and I've never seen like characters like this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's a, a show that essentially, while there are guys who write on it and everything, it's produced by women, directed by women, mm-hmm. written by women, starring lots of women. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing characters like this for what seems like the first time, because 
in the past, a show like Glow would have a bunch of dudes writing for it. And mm-hmm. guess what kind of show that was going to be? Yeah, exactly. You know, that show was going to be nothing but locker room scenes. Yeah. And, you know? and even the guy characters are sometimes sympathetic, but sometimes just as fucked up as, yeah. as any of the, the fucked up main characters. Huh. Well, man, plus you get, man, it's good. Well, I know in the first season, you got also the fact that they're in the 80s. So there's there's a sort of a less sensitive type of way of talking mm-hmm. and everything. There's a point where Mark Marin talks to one of his best friends, the black woman that's on the show, mm-hmm. and she's had a miscarriage. And he's like, he says, he's like trying to say something nice, but he he's like, he's like, he's like, you know, the your womb goof, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, oh and it, it turns out worse <laughs> because of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's perfect coming out of mark Marin. yeah it is you know because he's so rough around the edges and everything what's great <laughs> about this show is that like it'll show drugs but instead of like another another show like breaking bad even great shows like breaking bad where it it's a descent into madness and stuff like that and where it's a multi-episode arc of like this person being just strung out it's not like that. Like people will make bad decisions while drunk or on drugs, mm-hmm. but they don't go down like this. Like the producer guy that mm-hmm. uh, uh, in the first season is introduced as like kind of this like coke fiend and like yeah yeah. It's not like that. Like he's not he's he takes drugs, but he's not like that's not his whole character arc. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Mark Marin's character. Uh, the uh, uh, Betty Gilpin character does drugs once. And it leads to a, a crazy moment, but that doesn't lead her into this descent into yeah. addiction. I like that shit, man. I want to see more of that kind of shit. All right. Yeah. I've, I've read nothing but good things about it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. yeah. And Allison Brie is just, man, mm-hmm. she's such a terrific actress. Yeah, she is. God damn. Another one that I think uh, after a while we're going to realize, not just a pretty face, that type of thing. Because that's what I initially thought with Allison Brie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, I really liked her in Community and everything. The first time I saw her was Mad Men. Mm-hmm. and then like community i was like oh she's pretty good now stuff like glow oh she's way better than i and thought. they scuzz her up a little bit in this yeah. too um in in multiple ways but man yeah it's it's enjoyable you'll like it all right well that'll do it for this week's episode uh keep going to facebook and uh the syncast presented by cinema sins uh facebook page keep going to twitter keep going to soundcloud you know a lot of places that you can comment and uh tell us about this episode and we're gonna answer your questions too swear to god we're gonna have like a like a big mailbag episode again and get caught up and they're good questions and we've even got them answered uh and we're gonna we're gonna have that for you on a on a, a, a uh, new episode yeah some some point in the future maybe even next week who knows yeah and uh, go out and get uh Laurent's new album Marlowe with solemn brigham it's fantastic yeah mayday absolutely but uh that'll do it for this week's chris atkinson jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasends.com. Dude, this movie is getting like a decent, like decent reviews. What is Amen and Wasp? I think yeah, I think people are just. It's so funny how. How willingly so many people will just go along with the narrative of oh we just we needed something light after 
the heaviness of Infinity War. Right. Uh, they really programmed this perfectly. I'm Seven, like, Fuck you. 7.6 on IMDb, 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. That's actually kind of low, though, considering it just came out. Usually when it comes out, all the fanboys come out and make it like 8.3, and then it takes a while for it to normalize. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, you know, you look at Infinity War, I think it was at like yeah, that was big. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Um, well the Maltons loved it too so like all the stuff going into this i was like hmm maybe it'll be fun kid wants to see it the wife wants to see it and go it's the way it always is they did that with the uh, thor the dark world <laughs> yeah i guess so i guess yeah, so like, oh this is so much better than that first thor no it was just uh it was it was light but it was so light that it was like immediately gone as soon as i left the theater yeah i'm just over the willy-nilly embiggening and smallening of anything we want for the sake of the action sequence somebody storyboarded it does get to the point where they should be able to just basically win everything now right if you can do anything yeah. like that all the all the powers combined they hit who how in the i world? am captain planet yeah why didn't he just make why is he going to show up and make thanos the size of a weeble and then just step on him yeah Probably no, he could he could he could get inside of Thanos and then and then just turn bigger. He could he could Neo him from the inside out, right? And they just turn him into a bunch of purple goo. Although inside Thanos would be an excellent like porn. Oh yeah, parody inside you. That's right. I want to be inside Thanos. Mm -hmm. oh, I want to give him God. a back rub from That's the inside. Right. <laughs> I do want to see. I can't wait to see. Uh, sorry to bother you though. Oh yeah, me too. That's coming out the bell. Cord Although there's an there's a very interesting like verbiage surrounding the praise of this film. Like I think it's going to be awesome, mm -hmm. but everything I'm reading is like get the impression they're saying they don't say it. But they get the impression they're saying it's not perfect, mm. but it but it takes so many chances and has so many balls. You're going to love it. And I've even seen people saying it in such a way as like, this is this is like, can't wait to see what this guy does from here. Like, I almost get the sense that maybe it, like he could have been reined in a little bit. Yeah. But that there's brilliance here. Either way, I'm going to see it. It's, yeah. I mean, you get awful. the same feeling as like uh, Michelle Gondry and like uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine. Right. Because that's sure. not a perfect movie necessarily. But he goes in so many weird ways. He does. And then he didn't really capitalize on it. I, get, I like Be Kind Rewind. I mean, the trailer had me sold. I'm just saying, I thought I find it interesting because I've seen five or six prominent Hollywood people praising the film, but all of them using this sort of subconsciously yeah. couched, yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. They're all praising the chances it takes and the extremes it goes to and how bold it is, but none of them are saying it's a masterpiece. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe they shouldn't have to because mm -hmm. very few films are. Now I look like an asshole. No. No, I mean, I've, I've seen the same thing. Now things. I'm the motherfucking asshole. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had an idea for a horror movie. Because mm -hmm. I bought these trail cams to go put out on my land. Mm -hmm. See what kind of critters I got out there. Animals and whatnot. I thought, what if in a fictional version of my reality, I put up the trail cams. We're daydreaming about this home. It's one of many things we're doing to prepare for building a house out there. And then my spouse dies. Mm -hmm. And I grieve and mourn and yada yada. And then one day, months and months later, I remember the trail cams. And I go back and I'm pulling up, pull off the cards and I'm looking through the data and my fucking wife is walking through the. Yes. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Something there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If anyone steals that, I'm suing your ass. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Should start it, writing horror movie movies. Would be, the movie would ask, as in keeping with the trend of current horror films, it would just be called Trail Cam. Salman Rushdie. <laughs> it's Sal Bass. <laughs> yes. So he just put one fish instead of the other. It's not salmon. It's salmon. <laughs> 